Hey, did you know this podcast has a Patreon? At patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries, you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar and get early access to episodes and join in on community posts with all the other hosts and me. Uh, patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries. Get out there and do it. Thanks. Sunday Scaries. I went to Trinity and we got mobbed by 30 people in kitschy, like kitschy Christmas sweaters. Oh, but they no. were like crass ones. So it was like, drink a shot yeah. if you see Santa or something. Or like, mama's getting naughty with the reindeer or something. <laughs> That's gross. But like, just stupid with the, stuff. Wait, like, with the reindeer? They were all in their <laughs> probably like late 30s to mid 50s. Um, and they had like very suburban vibes. Like it was like... Every guy was like two twenty five eight to six foot and bald with like law like big beards like the bushy beard kind of types. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm, I was trying to visualize the- like Matt or something. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to visualize the type of people you were describing earlier, working backwards based on yeah, what it's you like found out eventually. But guys like that and their wives, um, which they kind of like. They maybe they own like a nice two bed out in Frisco or something. This is very specific. I don't. I hope I'm not calling anyone out. Really narrowing Matt wherever you are. Demographic here. Uh, And we were like trying to figure it out because they weren't all like friends. There was like thirty or forty of them. It was a lot for for Trinity especially. And we like pulled one guy aside and we're like, hey, um, how do you all know each other? Which of course, like he's like, these are strangers. I don't know these people. He's like really squirrely about it he's like i don't know i don't i don't really like he's like i don't want to if i tell you you're gonna like judge me or something and we're like uh no man we just want to know like what what's going on like what's the party you know we're like whoa is it like an office party uh what's up (laughs) and he literally looks at us and he's like oh we're just a bunch of like-minded people we all share the same beliefs yeah she's making christy's (laughs) making a face that says like so they're swingers You beat my punchline. (laughs) Yeah, basically, it took him forever to admit it, and he we learned they were swingers. Yeah, I knew where you were going the minute you like were like, "What's what's going on here?" I was like, "Well, it's obviously not an office party." Right, (laughs) right. Uh, Like some a majority of them were swingers. Some of them, I guess, were not. He said some are, some aren't. Um, (laughs) And I asked him if they were furries. I was like. It was like I, I'm not gonna tell you. I was like I'm gonna get make up a bunch of shitty like reasons. Like I said why before, together. Those, of the Venn diagram, those two things are probably not you, mutually exclusive. Yeah, you would think there's probably like some like like minimum amount there's of some like crossover joint. There. Yeah, but I said it and he was like deeply offended. Like I had like said a <laughs> slur. I was like, "Are y'all furries?" And he was like, "Oh God, gross! Don't ever suggest that again." And the, my favorite part, he kept calling his wife his first wife. That's what we were really confused. We were like, oh, his first wife. We were like, is your first wife here? He's like, I hope so. And we're like, okay, I have to ask. If you have a first wife, does that imply that like you have a second wife? Like, is she? Are y'all not together? The way he's like, no, we're still together. The terminology that I've heard used in polyamorous relationships is like primary. Primary. Like you get termed like yeah, which leads me to believe like if I was ever in a polyamorous relationship, be like, can you call me Optimus? Optimus. (laughs) Optimus primary. Hell yeah. I, 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 you know, Autobots it, roll it, out. Honestly, they were, he was a really nice guy, uh, super chill. They were all night, like, they were just there to party and they seemed pretty harmless, all things told. But when he said stuff like, we all believe the same thing, I was like, why oh, do you gotta man. say it like that? Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it sounds, sounds like you're culty. like, a, it sounds like, yeah, you're in a cult and you're here to like, it's your little Christmas thing and you're like, uh, we, it's we a lifestyle. Kinda, I know. So yeah. I was like, they're a part of the lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> 
But apparently, and I I hope I'm not outing like every swinger ever, but now they use like obsidian like black rings on their fingers. It doesn't matter where on their fingers. I know we've got the inside finger. baseball in the swinger community now. But this wow. guy, he did tell me. <laughs> and we realized too, all the men had little bells wrapped around like a single bell uh, as like a necklace around their neck. That might have just been their thing. I know. That's why I was like that trying seems to figure very out holiday what was specific the... too. Like, yeah, but yeah, what, a, what a cute seasonal holiday <laughs> theme for a swinger party is like if you're available, yeah. you got a bell. And I met that guy. We ran into them again at Twilight Lounge and at another <laughs> bar like later. And like he was sitting at the table talking to my wife and my friend and I. Like we were chill. The guy was super chill. And uh, no, I imagine three different... I imagine they're very friendly. Yeah. yeah. Well, they he, were trying to convert you. We got the feeling that he was new to the lifestyle because he was really like shy, and he said that he got like a like a like a like a weight loss surgery kind of, and so he's like, Aww. "This is kind of like uh, my wife and I are like, you know, just trying to like get get I guess get the hey, momentum man. Yeah, going." They find a new lease on life, like that's kind of cool. Like, I gotta, watched yeah. three wet three different women flirt with this man. All back to back to back, right at our table. And Fuck he yeah. was like, he didn't know what to do with the attention. And I was like, let's go. Just fucking hype him up. I know. It, it's the, it was a straight. I was like, Deep Ellum giveth. She gave me one last adventure. Yeah. Like, what, what, a, what a wonderful mistress she's been. Wow. And that was my Saturday night. Fun. That was just Saturday. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it was, yeah, it was the most exciting thing I did all weekend, probably. <laughs> Uh, hey, by the way, it's Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take the edge off by doing a deep dive into a specific scary movie and try to find connections between that movie and other films within the genre. We're getting close to the end of the year and the end of our series on psychological horror. Um, we've been discussing the merits of so-called elevated horror, and this week I feel like we're subverting that term with both a studio and a film that are emblematic of the wonderful campiness of the early 2000s. Uh, I'm Travis. I'm Daniel. And this week we have Chrissy Hayden back. Christy is here to talk with us about the first successful Dark Castle film, which premiered in 2003. What did we watch, guys? Gothica. Gothica. Sorry. (laughs) I didn't know when we were all Run it back. Run it back. (laughs) What did we watch, guys? Gothica. Gothica. (laughs) How long have I been in here? Three days. I want to talk to my husband. Doug is dead. You killed him. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, before we go down the rabbit hole, okay. um, I, Christy, I, I, w- I want some baseline questions because I don't know if we talked about this last time. I just spilled like spritz seltzer water on my own lap. <laughs> uh, while I clean up, what are some of your personal favorite like horror movies or just like movies that you're like, that's your, your favorite, your go-to? Um, I mean, well, we talked about The Shining before. Oh, yeah. I think that's one of my favorite horror movies. Like I, I like... It's kind of a comfort movie at this oh, point. Oh, absolutely. For this time of year, particularly, <laughs> yeah. it's good cold weather watching. Absolutely. Mm, but it works for like Halloween time, too. Or just any time. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not really like a f- scared of it anymore. Like, it's definitely creepy, but it, I can watch it alone and like it doesn't, like, I can put on the background while I'm cleaning and stuff. I, I realized this <laughs> when we were watching that for Halloween. They put the, uh, like, the 4K restoration and they screened it over at Alamo. So we got to go see that uh, for, like, the Halloween weekend. And as I was watching it, I was like, I was realizing that movie is too pretty to be scared of really yeah. now. Where I watch sure. it, like, you know, a few decades removed from its release and you're just like, this is just, I'm just having such a good time, like, being sucked into the visuals of this movie. Okay, The yeah. Shining, uh, anything else? Um, uh, There's, there... nothing's off limits. If you have a guilty yeah. pleasure movie, I want to know. Oh, all kinds. I mean, The Lost Boys is another one. Nice. I know it's, like, cheesy and No, dumb, that's, that's a peak cinema. It. 
that's another one that I like. Um, but I guess like non scary. Um, there's some, some are just too embarrassing to say. No, 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 no. I you have to embarrass yourself. This is here. just any Diane Keaton. Hey, right. <laughs> chick flick. <laughs> yeah. um, like I love because I said so. I put that one on the background a lot. And like right now, it's Christmas. The Family Stone is like nice. one that I, I throw nice. on. Are you a Christmas movie person? I like some. Yeah, I I don't like all of them. Some are too stupid. But I like the like the Family Stone is one that I like mostly because of Diane Keaton. If it wasn't for <laughs> her in that movie, I, gotcha. I don't think I'd, it would hit the same. Uh, I like Elf and and like the really popular ones, I guess, because you know they're they're like good. Home movies. Alone, maybe. Come on, I nope. can kind of give or take. Okay. Really? okay, my boyfriend likes it, so we throw it on, you know, in the background or whatever. But it's not one of my favorites. Like I could go a whole, you know, season without watching it. Um, like my favorites are Elf, and I like A Christmas Story. Yeah, and stuff. Um, which other ones? Uh, you were actually, I think, the one that recommended Gothica for uh, this series. As I was talking yeah. to like the various people that I was thinking about having on for this series, and I was like, "What's a good psychological horror that you're into?" And Kirsty came up with Gothica like right off the bat. Hell yeah! Was like that's one that I like. Well, I, I rewatched it like a couple years ago after not watching it since it like came out. And when I was a kid, it came out, and we watched it. My mom loved putting on horror movies. You watched this as a child. Yes. <laughs> The Shining too. Like my mom loved like putting on horror movies for us to watch at our slumber parties and scarring everyone. That's and, fucking awesome. And I couldn't really like watch it. It scared me so much. And and then if, if like I don't know, like two years ago maybe I like thought about it and I was like I want to rewatch that see if I understand it because I didn't know what I was watching the first time. And I did, and I was like, this movie's really good. And, like, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes kind of did it dirty. It's <laughs> It has, like, a double life as far as criticism, go, and yeah. criticism goes, and I think we'll talk about that. But that's interesting that you watched this. Was you think this was more of a slumber party movie or more of, like, a watch with your, like, your parents are watching it and you're just in the room kind of movie? We we never talk about slumber party movies on this yeah. podcast. We really no. should. I, I don't like, know. A slumber party movie is uh, It's a very vague subjective. term. Subjective. Yeah. <laughs> what I think I what I mean, I mean, I mean by that. Boy slumber parties are probably, like, more Nerf guns. Maybe? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but in coming around to like you know your first experiences with horror, I feel like that was my encounter with a lot Slumber of the parties. early. Yeah, like you go to somebody's house and somebody gets a hold of a DVD or their parents rent for them one of these scary movies where it's like, yeah. all right, let's see who can Mom let's see who can the make cover it through. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> let's see who can make it through this movie. Like it's a challenge. That's for how the, I saw uh, House of Wax. Yeah, similarly related, hey, Dark Castle. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I feel like this is one of those too, especially for people that are like around our age, where you know this whole spell of the early two thousands, like campy, you know, pretty scary, kind of scary stuff. Like I can definitely see how this one, like I think it falls in the same category as you know, like a House of Wax or The Ring, where as the kind of adults that we are now, maybe it's not the scariest movie in the entire world, but it's got some elements in there that for a little kid are that can be pretty unsettling and jarring, especially if it's your if your first encounter with some of these uh, movie elements i like personally i just remember always seeing the cover like the the classic cover of this dvd the photo of like halle berry with her like face like a hand against the window mm-hmm. as like it's a good poster it it is yeah. for some reason it worked very well because i remember every time i went to blockbuster i'd walk by that dvd i'm like i know where the gothica dvd 
is in a blockbuster somehow. Yeah. Do we think, is there something to be said about like, okay, so obviously the, the way that we browse stuff has changed, right? When we went, we're like since the transition to streaming, like as being the majority, like the primary outlet through which we watch movies, right? Yeah. It used to be, you know, cover art has been such an effective and such an important way in the way that we decide to watch movies. And it's been, it's kind of been replicated in like the scrollable, you know, side to side stuff that you see on any streaming service. But is there a difference, do you think? Like, is it is it too saturated like is there too much going on in a single interface on a streaming service for it to really replicate that experience i've thought about that recently because i feel like movie well, that's posters, a hell of a question travis <laughs> movie posters are it's kind of a lost art isn't it like uh yeah i don't know i, don't know. I feel like all the movie posters i would ever put on walls are like I feel like, I all right, well, you're asking maybe the wrong person because I would, like, <laughs> spend money on, like, a very specific artist who did a very specific yeah. poster. But I don't, yeah, I don't know because, I mean, I think, like, you ask any Gen Z, they'd be like, what's a movie poster? Yeah, <laughs> I never thought about that, honestly. I'd- but, like, I think the their their limit of interaction is always going to be social media from now on. Yeah. So, like, the poster is, like, a second-hand or fourth-hand thought. It's true. Maybe the new movie poster is that really annoying, like, so because of the ad optimization on any, like, you know, like yeah. on YouTube, right? It's that five-second clip that you get, like, the ad before the ad. Uh. Like, you know how, like, trailers now, they'll have, like, the three seconds of trailer before the actual trailer. It's like, hey, you're about to watch the trailer for... Like, yeah, know, they kind of have to grab you in the first three seconds. Yeah, because they, they only have that, that much time before you skip the ad or whatever. I mean, they definitely still need promo materials. Like when you like whatever movie you have, you have to have like, you know, uh, some kind of classic poster design. Um, obviously, Gothica wasn't just like a festival darling. It, it got released. <laughs> yeah. It got wide distribution and needed that. Um, but nowadays, like if you're making a movie, you got to have, you know, uh, some stills like stills from your movie. They call it press kits. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you and it's like a whole package, so it'll be like you know the full list of credits, so reporters can write you know spell everybody's names accurately. Um, there'll be like the poster which you post on your website, so the still image like uh, like Pearl is just the image of Pearl smiling or whatever like iconic image that like we all know the, the cover of Hereditary, yeah. and stuff like that. So that that is kind of the poster image, but it, now it literally gets posted as like uh web articles yeah. and so it's now the ban call it the banner image is really what it is and they come in different like spec sizes so they'll make banners and then they'll make it to like you know the widescreen like i don't know 2800 by 100 pixel size so it's yeah. like the big like all the way across your browser size or the like vertical style so you can you know, format it to fit in all the different places. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, Gothica. Uh, so <laughs> Halle Berry stars as Miranda Gray, a uh, doctor at a psychi- psychiatric institution um, who finds that she has become a patient following the grisly murder of her husband and boss. Uh, she struggles to remember the events leading up to her institu- institutionalization ah, and uh, prove she is not insane while also attempting to unravel a supernatural mystery surrounding the death of uh, some other... <laughs> some other folks <laughs> some other folks uh did you watch this when you were a kid too or was this uh this is my f- very first time watching this honestly this was my first time yeah kirsty you you've uh. e- you've educated us thank you yeah <laughs> oh, okay no this is like a really fun like so i think a big part of this is going to be a conversation around D- dark castle entertainment too uh you mentioned house of wax and there's some other movies in here that i think like will be really fun to talk about uh as we kind of get into this here um but Something that you said, Christy, kind of made me think of this uh, Roger Ebert uh, review of the movie that came out at the time that 
it was released. Um, because there is something to be said about these movies that had a, well, have had since um, sort of a, like a polarizing effect, both like a critical re- and like audience reception. Um, this movie seems to have that double life as well, where it's like identified pretty early on as being something that is, you know, like, kind of campy the plot doesn't make sense you know there's some silly stuff in there but all in all it's sort of a it's an unabashedly sort of not taking itself too seriously very fun sort of horror romp and i think there's Mm -hmm. something about that for like genre films like this that is just really really fun to watch and it's sort of like i said emblematic of that uh this run of 2000s movies that i'm like super nostalgic for now and kind of very endeared towards um this uh i think that this like i said this quote from the roger ebert review that came out around the time of its release i think encapsulates gothica perfectly where uh the writer says yes the plot is preposterous no i do not understand for sure how the murder was plotted true the function of the ghost is terrifically murky yes the ghost should have communicated more clearly instead of uh encrypted hints like not alone no i don't know why a man who entertains himself by torturing victims in a hidden video studio would suddenly desire in middle age to add a conventional marriage to his his mix. Yes, I agree that the prison psychiatrist accused of murder would hardly be locked up in her own prison, among other former patients. But those yeah. are all the bothersome details of plausibility and logic, and those are the last two qualities you should seek in Gothica. This is a psycho thriller with plausibility, with the plausibility of a nightmare, which is to say, it doesn't make sense, but it keeps your attention. Um, yeah, that part about her being locked up in her own job, I was like, that <laughs> that would be so cruel. That's it's a awful. pretty big yeah. logical leap, right? Yeah. But it's also like the foundation of this entire movie. Yeah. It's like you need it. You can yeah. feel, you can like hear the whoever wrote it like pitching, like, okay, she's like, you know, a psychiatrist at, who works at a mental institute for women, but then she beca- like the doctor becomes the patient and a producer like leans ever so slightly down he's like god damn it man go on (laughs) (laughs) i'm interested but that's one of those things where you just have to remember it's a movie yeah yeah it's not real like none of it is real no absolutely not especially from this era i was thinking about that last night that was one of the things that i was like "Ooh, i'm we're probably gonna talk about that was (laughs) she's having to be alongside her patients that's like a teacher you know stopped teaching and went back to school and just sat next to all of her students like you can't like you know there's that one particular scene where she gets introduced to gen pop and i was like this is like the movies where like the detective or the cop has to go get arrested and he goes to prison with all the other like with all the people that he arrested the inmates and stuff like fast six yeah (laughs) yeah exactly or it's like um and i think there's a lot of films like that have been released recently that kind of reference this. I remember when we were watching Smile, that was something that I thought I thought it was going to take a turn in this direction. Right. I thought she was going to get institutionalized at her have own facility. Have you seen Smile? I haven't. Oh, Ooh, it's brand new. Definitely check it out. I it's, thought it was pretty creepy if you want to get like spooked. We did an episode on it. It's definitely one of the scarier movies that's come out this year. We ranked I thought it. Barbarian was pretty scary. Nice. Did Hell yeah. Watch that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We loved it. Did yeah. we talk about that? No, it, I think I watched it uh, a few months ago, so it was after. Nice. after. So, so was, we were saying Barbarians getting like a second life because it got back, like it got on HBO Max, oh, and yeah. everybody's like, "Oh, I can stream it." So I, everyone's been talking about Barbarian a lot. People oh, talked about it. Way when did it more. come out? Um, like March. Yeah, it came like out in theaters. Or no, it came out in theaters in like May. Or June. Yeah, it was like May or June or something. So like and it got put on streaming summer. in like September. But like once yeah. it got put on streaming, everybody was talking about yeah. it. Everybody, was, everybody yeah. was like, wait a minute. 
What That's is this how many movie? people are not going to the theater anymore. Yeah. And that's <laughs> I just, didn't even know it came that's out. That's just the reality. Earlier. Yeah. I think that's that's also a perfect streaming movie um, that really, really works well when you can have just like ready access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the course of looking at the background for this movie, it occurred to me that I've seen way more Dark Castle films uh, than I thought I had. Um, They're so- like the secret architects of all those movies you rented, watched, and forgot. Um, in the 2000s yeah, for better the, or worse like the, the, you just kind of like saw them we're like oh yeah that's a thing yeah from the early noughties right uh, so Ghost Ship uh, from 2002 was the film that directly preceded Gothica and that's easily one of the best party movies of all time if you haven't seen it I haven't seen you it you seen Ghost Ship dude Ghost Ship fucks Ghost Ship fucking rips um, oh, shit. I cannot okay. express my <laughs> love for Ghost Ship enough yeah it has this opening sequence that is just like it's it's part of all of these right like the whole like new metal era of early 2000s fucking horror movies dude I love that but I, what is new metal i'm sorry what okay. is that new metal Someone is explain, yeah so this fucking movie ends with the limp biscuit cover of the who right yeah uh, oh my god <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's like that. That's it's that uh, that genre that I think Fred Durst as a human being perfectly encapsulates. <laughs> where it's the era of like post, so like in the '90s, right, grunge and punk rock, kind of like well, '70s and '80s punk rock takes off, and the '90s like grunge rock and like alternative rock, you know, split okay. off. Um, sort, of, but like what mainstream sort of like rock and roll like evolves into where it's this uh this crowd of like mid to late 20s like white dudes essentially uh writing very very self-indulgent emotional okay, name like, some music. bands uh lincoln park uh limp biscuit uh isn't tool kind tool of? Uh, yeah tools uh, yeah tools kind of in there okay. tools more like just like straight rock or like metal and stuff too i think but i love that you know the distinction i, didn't I don't know at least I in my opinion uh, tools tools more uh shine down yeah sure yeah i don't, uh, I don't it's know any, anything that got put as a System soundtrack, of a down? sure, yeah. Anything that, that got put as the soundtrack or the background to a movie from Smash the mid two thousands, that's just like I'm just kidding. That's good old that's fun. Like kids, yeah. That's just all don't all you put some respect <laughs> on that name. I'm a Smash I just fan. Can't picture adults listening to Smash Mouth uh, seriously. It's me right now. I, I will listen it's to Smash Mouth seriously. Nostalgic for you though, right? It's because it's nostalgic. Uh, Walking on the Sun is a fucking bop. That's I true. will die on that hill. I mean, the cover music is... The fact uh, that you're using bop uh, to I'm describe it. It's kids Insert bop. music clip right here behind the Um... <laughs> But yeah, no, like this whole era, though, like I said, of like new metal horror, uh, including, like I said, Ghost Ship uh, or House of Wax. I, I say new metal horror because it is also literally defined by movies that begin and end with or have montages set to uh, edgy, emotional, very like, like I said, yeah. self-indulgent, lyrically uh, rock songs that feature men dealing with their feelings of loneliness and isolation in a very privileged right. world. I'm going to do this one throwback in this episode. We did Disturbia together, mm-hmm. remember? And uh, when we when I realized we were doing this this episode, I couldn't get um, System of a Down song like out of my head. Mm. And I was thinking about that the whole time. It was like hearing him sing the <laughs> loneliest day or whatever, yes. like all day today, because it's just such a like it's just an easy rhythm. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking of that song when you just des- you were describing like new metal as like this guy who's like a very it, great great band but like a scene about like I'm so lonely and you're yeah. like bro you were like in a four piece band uh, that song is about him losing his like brother or something really <laughs> yeah there's like actually yeah, I was Daniel. unclear about that thank you for teaching <laughs> well, me well I'm just letting you know like, it's okay yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, you interpret it how you want but like that is like <laughs> no, what it's about uh, now I think I want to interpret it that way <laughs> He's not that just sounds like, more accurate <laughs> that's the thing okay. I mean nobody knows what it's like to be the bad man Nobody knows what it's like to be the sad man. Okay. Yeah. Behind blue Behind eyes. Behind blue eyes. Uh, 
Look at my beautiful blue eyes. I'm all sad. Wait, at the all time, right. though, I, I remember like loving that. Can you? Yeah, it was fucking hot. <laughs> we'll get to it at the end here, but I I watched the music video for that cover that cover song maybe like a few too many times as we were like leading up to recording for this. Yeah. Like, if you haven't seen the music video for Limp Bizkit's cover of "Behind Blue Eyes" by the Who, it also features Halle Berry, who recorded she filmed separately from this movie for that music video, and fucking Fred Durst gets to make out with Halle Berry. That was that's like a thing back when they were doing like when they did press kits and stuff yeah. for, for movies, they would, they would have all the promotional tie-ins like, you know, yeah. movies have the song, like the big song that helps promote them. They would like make a crossover music video. I yeah. love that. Incorporating like we need clips to bring it back. images no, from remember, the... like Step Up. Yeah. Bro, I love those Sierra movies. Sierra made a music video and at the end, like Jenna Duan and Channing Tatum or whatever, Channing, whatever, Channing Tatum are Channing like, Tatum. in it and they're like, it's so cute. Yeah. And it gives me chills. I'm a big fan of the second Step Up, but I, the first one's actually the best. I never saw the second one. I, I got they get the, really weird after yeah. one. Yeah, I honestly didn't think the first one. The, that's like a guilty pleasure movie. Like, yeah. In fact, I haven't seen it really since it came out, but yeah. it was good enough. But the whole time I was like, this is pretty dumb. We're here to steep this entire episode yeah. in just early 2000s nostalgia. Dude, that's all this is. And like I said, like the other thing I realized is how apparently like unsuccessful the Dark Castle Entertainment franchise was, right? Up until 2010 when, uh, is it Silver or is it Zemeckis that goes over to Universal and kind of takes the the studio with him. Uh, um, I'm a, I'm I'm no no off the top of my head to be it's, honest. It's one or the other. I think it's Zemeckis. Uh, me just throwing probably that him. He tends to um, have more money. But yeah, so the, in this period between 1999 and 2010, uh, this is the list of films that we're kind of talking about as far as like <laughs> early noughties uh, new metal horror goes. Um, so we get like the the Dark Castle franchise right originally starts out as uh, entertainment production group um, starts out uh, created by Robert Zemeckis Joel Silver. Um, along with Susan Downey, actually. Well, she wasn't Susan Downey at the time, but um, also participating to produce films that are remakes of William Castle's uh, 1950s and 60s horror films, right? Um, so 13 Ghosts, uh, House on Haunted Hill. Um, their original plan was to remake some of his movies uh, in a modern, like, 90s kind of way, uh, but they kind of diverged from that pretty quickly in 2002 with their third film, Ghost Ship, which is an original plot and original idea. Which like Travis said. says fucking rips. It also, it's a great party movie, dude. Like, the beginning of that movie is amazing. Okay. Uh, we will get to it at one point. It'll probably... We'll circle back we'll to it. We'll do a sub-genre, a, sub a little thing about just, like, haunted ships. Yeah. I think this is... It's a haunted ship movie? Are there how many... Yeah, this, is there enough haunted ship movies for us to get we'll to? We'll find out. We'll find them. Yeah, we'll get to them. Uh, but yeah, Ghost Ship comes out in 2002, like I said, after haunted, House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts. Uh, and then in 2003, they released Gothica, um, which is by far their most successful film uh, in the entire run of movies that they make. Um, following Gothica, you get House of Wax, which you mentioned. That's um, Paris Hilton, right? Mm -hmm. That's the movie that, movie that has Paris. It's like yeah. one of the only Paris Hilton movies. I remember that being such a big deal. Yeah. I never saw the movie, <laughs> but like, I remember her being in that movie. Was now. A big deal. Yeah. yeah, her death in that movie is fucking awesome. I feel like, like people hate watch that. Like, oh, it's great. You know, like it's like the classic like reality TV celebrity. You're like, oh, wouldn't it be funny like to watch them die in a movie? And she's like, great, I'm gonna get murdered in House of Wax. We're like, hell yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> like, I had friends that were like, I'm kind of interested in this now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what you would assume about all these movies, but then you go back and watch them, and like House of Wax is surprisingly like all of these are surprisingly watchable. I, actually, I will exclude House on Haunted Hill from 1999. That movie has <laughs> not uh, not redeemable. <laughs> that at all. movie has Famke Jensen who plays. Uh, 
uh, Jean Grey in the uh, X-Men series, the Fox X-Men series yeah. from the 2000s. Uh, and that movie's pretty terrible, but like it has some really scary parts in it. Um, yeah, other films like including yeah, the Reaping, Rock and Rolla, uh, the Orphan, which is uh, or Orphan, which uh, just recently had its uh, sequel released this year, uh, Orphan First Kill. Wait, um, okay, I got a, I got a, a more two thousands nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I remembered this. House of Wax is also one of the first movies Jared Padalecki was ever in. Who's he? Ah, oh, damn it! It's over my head. Sam Sorry. from uh, Supernatural, Sam Winchester. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that was a set. All right. I never watched. I'm sad. I never watched Supernatural. Are those the only things he's done? (laughs) Get him, Kirsten. He's in the new, (laughs) the new Walker Texas Ranger. Okay. Uh, Don't look at me, man. I'm I'm not not the crowd for that. Um, I tried. I'm going to shut up now. No, you're good. <laughs> um, I was telling Daniel earlier, like one of the funny, like more hyperbolic statements that I found uh, in sort of like talking about Dark Castle 2 is Joel Silver, one of the original creators along with Robert Zemeckis, uh, is asserted as being credited along with Jerry Bruckheimer for practically reinventing the action film genre um, over the course of the uh, 80s and 90s, um, which sounds hyperbolic at first until you realize that he also that he produced uh, not only Commando uh, in 1985, but also the Lethal, Lethal Weapon franchise, as well as the first two Die Hard movies, um, and also the first three of the original Matrix films. Uh, and he's also responsible for helping to produce the long-running TV series uh, Tales from the Crypt, which obviously for um, horror fans is a, is a staple of the uh, kind of like re- recurring horror like TV anthology yeah. stuff, um, along with like you know Joe, Joe Bob Briggs and the Drive-In and everything. Um, so it makes sense, you know, as far as him producing goes uh him getting into wanting to reproduce uh william castle movies um gothica is also notably the first film to feature sort of uh mainstream actors for dark castle um the way halle berry tells the story she was approached uh with the script by joel silver uh, and was immediately enthralled by sort of by the uh, the depth of the character of miranda um it was pitched to her as a horror movie but she found uh way more depth in the character of miranda than she expected and then also sort of related it to her experiences growing up with a mother who was a psych nurse um and she drew inspiration from her mother's experiences and other relatives experiences uh working uh, in the psychiatric uh, field and industry um so uh yeah for a movie with so many uh scenes where it's literally just two characters two talking in a cell this one actually like i like i said i think maintains your attention pretty well and i think that's you know definitely due to uh or thanks to the directing by uh matthew kasovitz um you said what was the other movie that you said stood out of his uh, that uh, it's a movie called uh well i'm gonna butcher it i don't speak french but hein mm-hmm. hein H-A-I-N-E. It's um, one of the movies that put Vincent Cassell, who's hmm. a famous a French actor, but he, he's seen a lot of stuff um, on the map, kind of. It's like a very like early French gangster film featuring like a younger Vincent Cassell, which is crazy because uh, Kasowitz later goes on to direct like uh, Jean Renault, one of the, another like... I'll show you a photo of him because I love I love Renault because I see him all the time and I'm like <laughs> oh it's that guy that French guy it's always French that French guy. guy it's not good art it's uh... yeah like you've probably seen him he's in Le- oh Leon the oh, Professional yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of um 
so it's just kind of funny to me is like three French people kind of like reconnecting through somehow through like an American circuit. Yeah, because this was also his uh, debut feature uh, film directing title for America. Yeah, this is his, his first, first American, American film. film. That was a really like roundabout way to say that. His first American debut film. feature <laughs> film in <Yeah>. America. <laughs> uh, but he was, uh, yeah, he, notably he was like a child film star in France uh, and then grew up and then began directing his yeah. own feature films and stuff. Um, but this is his first one he did in good old US of A. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a little bit of background on this movie. You want to talk about? Let's talk about some of the scenes. Um, so the opening scene of this movie introduces us to Halle Berry, introduces us to Halle Berry as Miranda, um, as well as Penelope Cruz's character Chloe as Miranda interviews Chloe about her vision of being raped by the devil. I uh, uh, I thought that was Kristen Ritter at first. What the, dude? The like the bouncy bangs oh, okay. and like the like longer chin. I thought I was like, is that like a Kristen? Is that Kristen Ritter? Like, what's going on? Because they wash out a lot of the footage too. Right. It's got like a blue tint, so it's actually really hard. This is for a very me. desaturated yeah. movie. Yeah. As was the style yeah. at the time. <laughs> when you know how hot Penelope Cruz is in real life, I know <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It didn't happen to me hot, until. She still looks good, but it. I honestly. Uh, when I saw like blow, right for the first yeah. time, I saw that after Gothica, Gothica and you were like, "Oh!" And I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> Same person <laughs> can't be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, with you because I was like, that. "There's no way that's Penelope Cruz, dude." Yeah. Even with like the baggy eye, they try to make her up to like make her look worn down and, and sort like, of a like the the bob haircut. Yeah, and even with the desaturation of this movie, the blue tint and everything, it's still, dude. Penelope Cruz is fucking hot. Like she can, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I also value her as just as like a human being and an actor and a very talented human, yeah, <laughs> person and stuff. But yeah, she's also incredibly attractive. Uh, like you said, this comes after Blow was in two thousand one, uh, and then she did Captain Corelli's Mandolin in two thousand one as well, uh, and Vanilla Sky in two thousand one. Uh, she was kind of like raking in the credits there over the course of these sort of these couple of years. She's she's really breaking in. Um, but yeah, she's she plays Chloe, who is a, a patient of Miranda's. Um, who, like we said, is having these visions of a uh, of, of very violent, uh, like, hellish sexual assault um, that Halle Berry sort of ties back to her real-life experience of uh, being being raped by her stepfather, I guess. Um, who she murdered. Yeah, which justifiably so. you would Which you get all that in, like, the first five. Yeah, there's a yeah. big exposition dump You're like, there. welcome to Gothica. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Uh, along with this opening sequence, we get a sort of a walkthrough of this giant prison, right? As Halle Berry exits the interview and walks down hallway after hallway through door after door uh, to get to the office of her boss and husband, uh, Douglas Gray. Um also, yeah, uh, which this whole interaction, right? Like, I Charles Dutton, right, who plays Douglas Gray, her husband, is yeah. he's, he's fine. He's in a lot of stuff, too. Um, but right from the get-go, like I said, this was my first time watching this movie, and I was unsettled by their relationship to begin with. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, this is a creepy boss. He shouldn't be talking to her like that. And then they kiss, and I was like, oh, no. What is happening? Yeah. And he called himself God. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of red flags in this opening sequence. Yeah. Kind of like. In hindsight, about, there yeah. were, it was, I was like, oh, this guy. It's probably not great. It's also just like he obviously has a lot of money because mm-hmm. what, you know? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Her, him. Yeah. I love the theater of it all. <laughs> when she, he like, he, they, she's like talking. He's like, I can't keep, I can't quite, I don't know, crack this patient or something. And he's like, just give it time, give it time. And then he like takes her by the shoulders. He's like, take this cup of water and throw it on the mirror. Like, what do you yeah. see? Somebody's got to clean like, that up. What is this? Is this theater? <laughs> yeah, Seriously. I don't even know what that was supposed to tell her. I it, yeah, it was interesting. I, I just I was like, this is a very indulgent writer. Like the person who wrote this, was like I sound so smart right now. 
I imagine it was either that or it was like Kosovitz being like, I have a really cool idea for a visual. Like, we're yeah. going to do this thing where we shoot through the well, mirror. They and do the a lot of mirror like, work in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of cool, like, I mean, and that is one thing, like, throughout this, uh, the, the visuals of this movie are pretty fucking awesome. Like, I think they hold up actually pretty well for a movie from 2003. Um, and for its time, particularly, I think it was definitely, like, breaking yeah. some ground. Uh, the minimal visual effects that are in it, I think, are used very, very well. Um, and even like the cool little gags like this, as far as camera work goes, where he's filming through the mirror, the water running down, distorting the image that she has of herself in a very symbolic way, right? Um, and then surprise, Robert Downey Jr. shows up. Uh, RDJ <laughs> playing uh, Pete, uh, who is a colleague and also a fellow doctor of Miranda uh, Halle Berry. Um, he shows up and we kind of get introduced to their relationship. RDJ is playing sassy RDJ like he does. He plays himself, basically, um, like he does in a lot of movies. Um, he compliments Miranda's character by sort of being like a potential non-platonic sort of love interest maybe thing going on there. When you were a teenager, was that like transparent to you? Like the way they interacted when you first saw it, you were kind of like, oh, there's something going on between them. This well, might be a, like a deep cut. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I was like a little kid when I saw it, but I feel like even then, uh, like it kind of translated. It, I thought it was pretty clear that um, he likes her okay, for sure, cool. but you don't really know until later. I guess when they have that conversation, you yeah, don't, you don't. I think your yeah. the idea is he definitely likes her, and you don't know whether or not they've had an affair. Yeah, because she yeah, like yeah. kind of stays away from him after that interaction and yeah. it's kind of like oh something something yeah mm. they also just have more on-screen chemistry <laughs> than yeah. her and, and her charles husband. dutton right i mean he is like charles dutton was born in like 51 i think so he's like 15 years the senior of halle berry uh and it's yeah it just that that whole thing plays weird from the very beginning you're yeah. like you're just it's it's a little unsettling um Sunday Scaries. Have you ever worked uh, an office job, Daniel? I forget if we've talked about this before, where you've had to do like a nine to five. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. After your nine to five, I know some people do this. Like, I don't know if you've worked like a thing where you have to be like in an office all day and then afterward you're like, I'm going to go work out. Uh, (laughs) I I do that all the time. It makes sense. Like, yeah. That's me. It's a good way to like beat the traffic and like, you know, kind of make sure you get your workout in and then also sort of, you know, get part, get done with a part of your day before you go home and want to like decompress and relax. Or for a lot of people, it's a way to decompress and relax. It's a little weird though that she's like, it's like nighttime and she's like swimming. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a fun note. I'm like, they would never, like the lights would be on. They would never turn the lights off in a swimming pool. She's just nonchalantly like working in the dark and then going and swimming in the dark. And I'd be so scared. I'd be like, I'm getting out of here. The lights are off. It's a psych ward. There's also a thunderstorm going on outside. This is super weird. I actually think it would be super fun to do like a full swim workout. Like, in a slightly dark environment while it's storming. I've done that before, and I like think it's the, cool. Like, but it, like, like the casting of shadows yeah. and all the... I actually... I was a swimmer growing up, and, and uh, we swim indoors. In Texas, during the wintertime, you swim indoors. Yeah. yeah. And it was like the coolest thing ever when you're like swimming, but there's like big plated glass windows because, you know, usually there's heat, but now it's like just storm, like pounding the windows. So you'd like poke your head up, and it'd be so interesting. 
It was a core memory, so I'm like, I was invested in that scene and reasons I don't personally understand yet. I'm like, I feel like I just processed personal. I know trauma. exactly why. There's something about specifically like I, I know that Daniel has not because some of the scripts of yours that you've written that I've read. There's a couple like there's an natatorium scene that shows up, and every single time a cool oh, yeah. scene shows up in a movie, I was like, we we do love a good natatorium sequence. I, um, yeah. Um, her by the way, her form not bad, not yeah. bad. Good, good she swimming. Was, she was crushing flip turns. Yeah, you can believe that she swam 55 laps. Yeah. Some people just, even if they don't have good form, can still just like grind it out. That's it's scary. 2,750 yeah. meters. That's, she, yeah. that's almost three kilometers. She swam a mile and a half. Yeah. That's crazy. I could wow. do that in like, I could do that in an hour. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not. That's not a brag. I'm like saying, right, like, I'm a Daniel. really bad swimmer okay. now, and and like, if she's been Fuck training, me. she could have done. All right, th- Michael that's a Phelps dumb... over here. Jesus I'm so sorry, everyone. I don't know Love anything it, about swimming, so when she said 55, I was like, that's that seems not right. that Sick. much. It's like a standard size pool. <laughs> yeah, a standard size pool is like 50 meters. So you go one to one from end to end. It's like 50 meters, and so yeah. if you swim like, assuming she didn't swim like, you know. A, 550 meters like they're an Olympic size lap yeah which would be twice that which means she swam like three miles but anyway um yeah Miranda goes for her swim she does 55 laps and she says bye to the security guards even though it's like pouring rain outside uh she decides to go home uh she gets escorted down to the end of the driveway and a cute little scene with RDJ um in her car uh she poor little lovesick RDJ I know yeah it's fine like I said they have more on-screen chemistry way more than her and Charles Dutton do so you're kind of Rooting from them from why y'all call him RDJ Robert Downey Jr. But why why what oh RDJ RDJ I'm thinking do you think R D like A R D Y J and I'm like I want that to be his name from now on it's like the whole thing with uh was it Diego Luna did that interview about watching Star Wars as a kid in Mexico no oh you didn't see this so he was talking about so Diego Luna is in the new Andor series right he's like a new star he's the newest sort of Star Wars celebrity at the moment and he was doing an interview on some tonight show talking about as a kid growing up in mexico and watching the spanish dubs of uh, star wars right the character r2d2 he grew up thinking his name was artuito <laughs> like he thought his name was little Artie, like uh, little arthur or oh, he's like, like artuito Ar- that's yeah. amazing and i was like yeah that that makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense to me <laughs> they say like Artie, like rdj RTJ. RD, RDJ. We could call him Pete for the rest of the movie, too, because that's his Robert DJ. Yeah. I just okay. like saying RDJ. Oh, no, it makes sense now. You can keep calling him that. I, <laughs> it just, like, y'all kept doing it. I was like, God, okay, I got to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little afraid to ask now. It's been too long. <laughs> um, so she she encounters a roadblock because a tree has fallen down. She gets diverted through uh, to an alternate route by uh, the silhouette of Sheriff Ryan, who we don't know is Sheriff oh, Ryan yet. Which, uh, that sheriff played by... Uh, John Carroll. John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch. One mm-hmm. of my favorite um, like actors who's in a lot of things. Who's yeah. kind of creepy and everything. A lot everything. of stuff we've watched. Uh, he was in uh, Shutter Island, also playing like a, a cop warden kind of character. Um, he, he's in Zodiac a few years after this with Robert Downey Jr., where he plays a suspect, maybe another murder suspect. Um, right before this, he was in uh, Fargo as Norm. He plays yeah. uh, Francis McDermott's husband. Um, he was in Bubble Boy as Mr. Liddingston. Um, Just one of those, the bald, of those the bald sheriff, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, he's so creepy. He is, and he pops up a lot. Like, it's yeah, kind of funny. He's You're one like, of those side actors that yeah. pops up a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like yeah, you a, recognize him when you see him. Yeah. Like a Ben Foster type. Mm-hmm. Um, but the silhouette of uh, John Carroll Lynch diverts 
Miranda to a different route. He says, go take the bridge where me and Doug go fishing sometimes. Uh, and so we kind of like sow the seeds of learning that him and her husband are, are really good buddies that go fishing sometimes. Uh, she, she takes the route uh, to this bridge, which I feel like shows up in, in the mouth of madness, Beetlejuice. Uh, I thought it was the bridge from Supernatural. So it, it, I'm an idiot. It's one of those. It's like, I don't, I don't know how often I've, I've encountered these on like really fun, like country drives. Like you out in the middle of nowhere in Texas and you get these kind of like little creek bed. Like yeah. it's a nice bridge. Uh, but she gets together. I thought the that the bridge was going to collapse and she was going to like fall into the water or something. But she, instead, she makes it to the other side. And this is like one of the first fun, like actual scary sequences we get, right? Yeah. With the specter of a blonde woman standing in the middle of the road. Um, and she manages to sort of like drive right through it and run her car into a ditch. Uh, the part's pretty jumpy. It's pretty creepy. Like this, this movie has like a lot of jump scares, but they're yeah. they're earned editing wise, I guess. Like it doesn't indulge in. I mean, it does. It's as much as a I guess a movie from the early two thousands does. But there's a couple that are thrown in there where I'm like, oh, that was a really good like hand. I don't know, well executed jump scare. Yeah. Um, this whole interaction that she has, like I said, with the specter of Rachel, uh, or who we will learn soon learn is Rachel, uh, is really fun. She crashes her car into the ditch, and we kind of introduce very early on that there's going to be some question about how reliable of a perspective we have for Miranda. Um, she attempts to like start caring for the girl who's standing like all cut up in the middle of the road. Uh, she tries to put her jacket on her. And then there's the great effect of Rachel like bursting into flames, like in her arms. Uh, and then we cut away. It's a really cool, I don't know, a really cool sequence mm-hmm. that they bring back later. Um, the rest of this is, uh, so these next couple of uh, parts, right, are a lot of uh, one-on-one conversations between Miranda uh, and Pete, played by Robert Downey Jr., or somebody else, right? Okay, well, this is important, is mm-hmm. she gets, like, the, something happens, and then she wakes up, and she's inside the mm-hmm. peni- the penitentiary, or what yeah. do they call it? Yeah. The sanitarium like or something? It's a psych ward slash prison. Yeah, it, they yeah. don't explicitly describe it as something like on Shutter Island, where it's like an institute for the criminally insane. It seems to be a mix mash of like people who have legitimate mental health problems along with like, well, I guess we can assume because everybody in there has committed a crime. Chloe, I was thinking of Chloe first, but she also murdered somebody. So it was kind of a... Right. They're all vi- like, maybe they're all violent offenders yeah. diagnosed yeah. with um, some kind of early aughts mental illness. Yeah. Yeah, she wakes up in a plastic cell a la Silence of the Lambs, uh, and it introduces that question of, like, you know, how often are mental patients uh, kept in cells with transparent walls? Uh, yeah. Which is obviously, like, it's definitely a movie thing that serves to make sure that we can we can always see our characters in the in the places that they are in these, uh, yeah. these penitentiaries and stuff. Um, but, yeah, this is, like I said, this is the first of many scenes where the majority of the scene consists of just two characters talking to each other. Um, but it maintains tension, and it means, like, it maintains your interest, like, throughout it. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Pete, starts psychoanalyzing Miranda, and they do that thing of, like, we're both doctors. Like, she starts, uh-huh. you know, throwing back his diagnoses at him. Um, and Miranda learns that her husband, Doug, has died uh, and that she is responsible for the murder. Uh, so she kind of goes into a manic fit and is sedated. Uh, this is a pretty like jarring scene as well. I think like the, the, the imagery of her being wrangled by orderlies and stuff, like this goes back to the thing that we've been encountering sort of throughout this series, right? With psychological thrillers and horrors where this, one of the scariest things about these types of movies is the idea of trying to prove that you're not insane to other people when you definitely like, we as the audience can see like the dramatic irony of her perspective, right? We see the things that she has seen. So from her perspective, 
it you know she's being incarcerated unjustly and uh we don't we don't know whether or not she's committed any kind of heinous act yet but from our perspective at least she's she's innocent and so getting thrown to the ground and like un you know not consensually injected with a, a sedative is uh is pretty scary um and they're like over medicating their patients it's like yeah. very early on they, yeah you, they, they bring that up yeah when there was that scene in the beginning where she was like how much did you give her and she was like something something she's like that's way too much or whatever so right we, yeah which is a problem yeah that's a thing that should have, like, yeah it's a scary thing Halle too, Berry right? even says she's like struggling to have a breakthrough with Chloe be- even though she's tried like talking to her and then names like three medications which like she said the names and I was like that both sounds very made up and also very real to me. Yeah. It was like chloromatoprine or something. Yeah. And I was like, is that even, what is that? <laughs> I know. We don't have our medical professional on hand to, uh, to probe about this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we also get our first visions of the night of the murder. Um, we get a vision of Doug sitting on the couch with a cigar. Uh, and then we get a cool montage set to new metal shit. And we get the fucking guitar riffs coming in. And we get these bloody sequences of like just random, you know, flesh and other stuff like popping out. Um, random flesh popping out. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's just like quick cuts between like blood and guts and other and other things going on. Uh, yeah, it's like the production designer. They stage the murder and um, they'll just go and shoot what they're, they're called inserts. It's just mm-hmm. like an image that doesn't necessarily isn't like part of the scene. It's just a close up of like a water bottle. So it's mm-hmm. like we're talking um, and then you take a sip from the water bottle, close up of the water bottle. They're like inserts. And so they'd, they'd build the murder scene, shoot whatever they needed to do for the actual scene. So at the end, when they were like, oh, we're showing the end of the murder and here's all the details, they just send a second unit and go shoot, like, bloody handprint, um, you know, blood dripping down wall, um, just, like, stuff like that. So they can kind of use that footage to, like, pad the runtime, but also kind of, like, add in creepy images. Mm-hmm. Was what kind of? I think it was supposed to be like a dream she had mm-hmm. while she was asleep. And, yeah, it seems yeah. like what we're getting is like her connection, I guess, with the supernatural world is developing, and so she starts having more and more visions of of both what happened to her in that moment, and then also like visions of the the ghosts and specters trying to tell her about you know the other heinous acts that have been committed. Um, but it's all very vague at this point. We're just seeing flash, and it's more 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 just like tonal, like you said, yeah. inserts that are sort of maintaining the uh, the level of uh, scariness and suspense uh, up to this point. Um, the next couple of sections, the, the next segment basically is is kind of her getting introduced into like Gen Pop and experiencing uh, the prison from the inside. She's now on the other side of the uh, the interrogation desk and room. Um, this is where she sort of uh, she commiserates with um, with Chloe for the first time, uh, and we get some of the, also some of the more unsettling and creepy ideas of uh, Chloe leaning into her and saying, "You know, you're one of us now. Uh, the more you try to prove them wrong, the crazier you appear." Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is the uh, kind of the, the underlying what's supposed to be the scary element of it. Um, this is where it's clear that I think, like I said, I think the fil- films like Smile took inspiration from this movie uh, in that it's an inherently terrifying idea that once people think you're crazy, it's, you know, how do you convince them that, that you're not crazy? Like, what would a crazy person say it's, mm. that I'm I'm not crazy? It's literally the plot of Catch-22. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is why, like, yeah, the alternate title for this movie is just Gaslighting Haley. I was going to say, <laughs> I was like uh, Gothica or known by its alternative name, Gaslight, the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Gothica by Gaslight. Yeah, right. 
uh, Chloe gives Miranda a newspaper showing that she has evidence, or like showing evidence that she was complicit in the murder. Uh, and then we get Miranda's like scary shower sequence, right, where she goes and takes like a really awkward shower with the rest of the patients, uh, <laughs> and sees another vision of uh, who we will soon learn is Rachel, uh, who like lashes out with her with talons and like car- kind of carves up her arm, uh, and what everybody else perceives as a self-inflicted wound. Um, this is something so like she gets uh assaulted by the ghost right uh and then ends up in uh sort of like the hospital infirmary again and she's getting talked to by robert downer jr uh and this is kind of when they introduce that idea like the thing that kind of it seems like it kind of gets glossed over by the end of the movie like it doesn't get resolved at fully um but the idea that her and uh pete have a like a romantic relationship or something she outright asks him because she can't remember uh she asks did we have an affair or did you want to have an affair did Mm. i want to have an affair uh and it's a really like off like i don't know on the sleeve sort of conversation for them to have but there's also that really weird like there's clearly like a power dynamic going on here that's kind of unsettling right um and uh he concedes he says you know yes basically to Mm. all but them having an affair um, yeah, but, he says they did not have an affair. He wanted to. Yeah. He thought she wanted to as well. Yeah, which is something that, like, like I said, it doesn't get wrapped up by the end of the movie. But it's it seems unnecessarily shoehorned in. But it's there. That's just the you got. I guess you have to have some kind of romantic like thing going on in the background. That's true. They never like end up together or anything. The last thing you see is him like making eye contact with her at the very end, and yeah. he like he's like. Oh, like, this, like <laughs> yeah. I know now. I I know who did it. He like he. Uh, she's like, yeah. You just now figuring this out. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue you don't need them to be like vague, romantically involved. Like they could just be like friends. They could have been completely platonic, and like the movie would have been just fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love too. This was my thought was when we first meet Pete, played by Robert Downey Jr., otherwise known as RDJ. <laughs> Um, that he's wearing I love his wardrobe it's like such like what people in the early 2000s thought geeks who were slightly older would wear it's like uh, like a like one of those like really disgusting like classic gray college t-shirts with like whatever the college is and then a button up like long sleeve over that and then a jacket over that but it's like you know he's shirted up to the neck with the two collars and a button down that's like halfway unbuttoned to his chest so it's like you see the word college and immediately i was like oh maybe he's like a research uh grad like a grad student doing research at the like hospital and that's like well that's why everyone kind of like treats him like and he's like pining for the older doctor right like he's like the new kid on the block kind of which is funny because it's like robert downey jr and we're like the man's like a 40 year old (laughs) man but he has such a baby face to him that i kind of believed it was he 40 at the time? I mean... He looked pretty probably young. Probably 30. It's oh, 2000 okay. and... Well, 2003. But also, like, I don't think he's supposed to be like that, because... Uh, it's implied that he's, like, the young kid on the staff. But later... Right? But later, I noticed um, she's trying to switch him, because I think, because they... You know, because the awkward conversation they had or yeah. whatever. She's, like, trying to get him switched with, that, with like, their... The other guy, that's the, Rachel's dad, you yeah. find out later. She's like, oh, I want a different doctor. And he's like, he's the best one we have yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> like, looks the other one, one's dead and the other one killed him. <laughs> Shots <them>. fired. <laughs> like, yeah, that hospital admin is just salty. It's yeah. Like, ah, we're down to one from three. <laughs> 
he's he and the pl- one we have is a grad student. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he plays boyish, but I think it's just like I said. I think it's just Robert Downey Jr. playing Robert Downey Jr. That's fair. Um, and I think that like like I said, I think the nature of their non platonic relationship also maybe sort of delegitimizes him a little bit, just implicitly. And so it's kind yeah. of one of those things where you're like. What's this guy's fucking deal? I guess yeah. I just saw the word college like on one of his shirts and was like, oh, yeah. either he's like fresh out of grad school or he's like a grad. Like he's not 20s, but he looks like he's like 28, 29. He's like a 30, grad student. Robert Downey Jr. is 38 in this movie. He was wow. born in 65. So he, his not, actual age was he's 38, actually 38 when he made the movie. Yeah. Wow. Um, but and I he looked, looked maybe 30 to me. Yeah. He looks yeah, good. Looked I mean, young, for a guy that had... Uh, it's so great that men anywhere from 30 to 60 can still get movie roles. I'm really just... I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm all also, just personally, a non-actor, hoping that my yeah, that, that was I sarcasm. Claim to that, um, yeah. He, uh, I think the other thing too is like it's that thing that we talked about, like in Mulholland Drive with like the uh, Justin Theroux character, where it's like, what does a cool guy look like in the early two thousands, right? Because like, dude, these these thin, square rimmed glasses too, where it's he's, yeah. I mean, he's played as like the cool dude, like he's a guy who's got his like you yeah. Know, like yeah. he doesn't care about his style, but like he still looks good. He's like, I want to get a pizza. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, he's a cool guy that eats pizza in the office. You know? <laughs> I love that. Like that implies that if you eat pizza in the office, you're cool. Yeah. That's I how mean, he acts, though. Yeah, she's not wrong. Though. Like if you bring pizza to the office, you're, you are cool. You're pretty cool. Uh, pretty damn cool. What are the, what do you call them, like those cheesy crust things or whatever? <laughs> cheesy crust? Yeah, he's like, do you want to get one of those? You like mean a stuffed crust yeah, pizza? Yellow they, yeah. cheesy crust? The fuck, are you an alien? Like, no. What the fuck is wrong with you? No, it's what he says in the movie. Oh, okay. He's yeah. like, do you want to get? He's just like, oh, I have to stay. And he's like, oh, do you want to get one of those like cheesy crusts? Yeah, or he something? called it. A, he called it something. Like weird. a golden cheesy crust. Yeah. She's like, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, I don't know. they're cute though. I like their I like their chemistry. I think it works out. Yeah. Uh, except for these like weird interrogation scenes. Uh, <laughs> so she's like we she have, we have the sequence where she meets up with her lawyer, right, Teddy, who explains that there is overwhelming evidence that she was involved in the murder. Um, I love this lawyer. He's like, bro, you're fucked. Take yeah. a deal. <laughs> And they try to argue yeah. back and forth the idea of her claiming temporary insanity, but she's like, I'm logical. And he's like, that's the problem. Like, you need to be more insane. Just be, yeah. be a fucking temporarily insane person. Um, and then John Carroll Lynch also in those sections also kind of shows his car, his hand, right? Yeah. Uh, by showing the crime scene photos and then also getting very, very emotional over um, trying to get her to confess or admit to why she committed the act that she did. Which, from what we learn later on, like, from his perspective, right, like, this is actually a pretty good character direction and performance right the idea of him being so incensed at the murder of doug because from his perspective it's like doug has been murdered and he's been murdered by his wife and so it's like especially related to the conversation that he has with her later on in the jail cell right uh this this flows very nicely where it's like from what he understands like she figured everything out and that's why she fucking murdered her husband right and yeah. so it's just sort of like a ticking time bomb until she spills the beans to everybody else about what the two of them have been doing um and so he doesn't know whether this whole like insanity thing is a ruse or it's like something else so it's like his his performance in this scene like on a first watch you see it and you're like this guy's just being like an overly like, emotional asshole. Yeah, but. she killed his friend. He's yeah. like really sad about it. And he's a law police officer. They're mm-hmm. always going to abuse their power when you kill one of their friends. Right. But on a second watcher, like on a in, in reflection, you're like, oh, he was scared for his own life. Uh, there was something yeah. else going on there. 
Um, did you remember the twist when you saw this movie the second time around? Like, did it stick in your brain or was did it feel kind of fresh? Not really. I remembered the images of the movie, but I was too young to like really okay. know what was going on. So you had like yeah. images in your head. I, kind I knew of? when I saw the officer like the second time around. I was like, I remember him being bad. Okay. Um, like I remembered at the end, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was around, like, yeah. that it had so much to do with, like, rape and stuff. I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, there's some really dark undertones. really fucking hard. Like, we, yeah. Like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the only movie like that that we watched when we were kids. She Jesus. Put, she put Stir, Stir of Echoes. Have you ever seen that? No. I know Y'all that watch, uh, That's another one that's pretty sad uh, and scary rapey? yeah there's like a whole like rape oh, scene man. and uh it's not good i mean it's it's probably a good movie but right. it's like hard to watch mm-hmm. um, yeah like i can't remember if the storyline was good or not to be honest like i just remember <laughs> that and being like like what is this? i don't know my mom loved movies that were that's like, awesome, hard to though. watch i guess um what was like the scene with like the images that you what you watched and you were like oh i'm locked in i remember this i i remembered him like when he is like walking around with his shirt off trying to like shoot her so i like knew okay he was the bad, finale like, yeah stuck but i didn't you. remember what he did yeah and I didn't remember what, like, her... Because when I watched it for a second time, I was like, oh, my God, she killed, like, her husband. <laughs> like, what yeah. happened? Like, they kind of do a good job making the villains kind of, like... Like, her husband looks like... He talks creepy, kind of, like, but bookish. he looks like... You know, yeah. a teddy bear. Yeah. You wouldn't think that They don't he... give up the ghost. They don't jump the shark too quickly in this one. Yeah. It's, uh... Like, it's kind of hard to predict. Like, they don't... He's not, like, some ham- handsome, like, villainous-looking guy. He's, like, kind of... You're like, no, nah, he wouldn't do that. Also, yeah. the reveal kind of <laughs> comes out of nowhere. Um, it happens after these, like... So, we get these next couple sequences, which happen... Which basically involve Miranda having more visions of, of uh, Rachel, right? She also learns about Rachel for the first time. Yeah. Um, after the whole encounter with the sheriff, she goes to her room. She gets sedated and like chained to her bed again um that's when she gets like pulled in by the admin and he's like right you have a court date we got to talk about this right she needs to figure out how to like deal with you and she's like i don't want pete treating me this guy doesn't even know how to ask a poll question Demand number one (laughs) yeah uh but not before uh she has flashbacks right we get more 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 visions basically of the uh the blonde lady on the bridge um and we get that probably the coolest effect of of Ra- who we learn will be Rachel like bursting into flames and then like being sucked into her like in and have possessing her body um yeah kind of a cool thing uh they played in reverse that was like the fun part about yeah. the dream is it's like flashes but in reverse so she's like standing over her husband's dead body with an axe standing in the hallway with an axe like picking up the axe off of uh like a tree stump mm-hmm. um it's a really like, simple visual gag but it works really well in this whole sequence you can yeah. kind of see the production like the fire like it kind of the fire kind of like goes reverse uh-huh. into the her, the woman and then like it like cameras revolving around her so as it turns around her um and gets on like the opposite side it's, we call that breaking the 180 um there's like a it's a thing but it's like an important if you do that you got to make it special and as they break the 180 um they it like time goes forward again and we watch her like get possessed the camera rotates all the way back around and like centers back on Halle Berry's face mm-hmm. and she's like has her neck's like She's doing the classic possessed, like, neck slightly askew. The head tilt. Yeah. yeah the Rob Zombie head tilt. And you're thing. like, oh, that's the part, maybe about two-thirds of the way through the movie, where you're like, oh, she was possessed. 
Yeah. Like, this is a supernatural possession. A ghost got her and killed the husband. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then she learns shortly after that uh, from Phil, who is, like, the new supervisor after her husband uh, got murdered and she got incarcerated, that uh, the vision, the woman that she's been seeing in her visions is his dead daughter, who supposedly committed suicide five years previously. Man, Pete, Phil. I know. These are some names. This is just... Small town America, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, easy names to write, right? Uh, did you recognize Phil? He kind of looked like Malcolm McDowell to me. It's not Malcolm McDowell, no, yeah, but I, I was like, not. this looks like low-rent Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, it's it's Bernard Hill, right? He plays Theoden in uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, so that's uh, King Theoden, and it's also... That's he, the corrupt one, right? Yeah. The one that wormed well, Yeah, like, it was corrupt. And he also plays me. Captain Smith in Titanic. Uh, a couple years before this, and then also Phylos in The Scorpion King. Um, <laughs> I thought he was uh, Sir Davros, the Sea King from Game of Thrones, but oh. different actors. Yeah, uh, I was mistaken. There's just something about like uh, all these like very middle aged men with like slightly round white hair and like yeah. a generic salt and pepper beard. You're like, yeah, pretty Malcolm McDowell, that one guy from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell Bar- has a Bernard pretty Hill. iconic face, though. Yeah, he's easy know. to spot. <laughs> Even like I. Like I saw Clockwork Orange, and then I didn't see him in like anything until he was like older. Like I mm-hmm. feel like he didn't do any acting between the movie Clockwork Orange and like the movies he's done as an old man. Right. Like I don't know what he looks like in the middle. Of he aged into years. a really good old man yeah, too. But I love the minute like I saw a... him like old, I was like, "That's him." <laughs> I like looked it up. I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's, that's like watching Michael Caine." No, because oh, yeah. we're like, "Oh, what's he was it like always when Michael Caine was a teenager." You look at like his hair just kind of like gets more color. Yeah. Which the one's Michael Caine? I know the name, but I he's yeah. Alfred in uh, in the, the Chris Christopher, Nolan Chris, Christian Bale Batman movies. I've failed you, sir. Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. Oh God, Michael we're the worst. Caine. He, um, he's in like Interstellar. He's in all of Christopher Nolan's oh. movies. Okay. Um, he's the English older English guy. It's always an old English dude. Yeah. Apparently, Michael Caine used to get around a lot too. He there. I. He's in a great movie called Noises Off. It's hilarious. It's this like English play. Um, that they then made into a movie, but it is hilarious. And I was like, I don't know, Michael King could be funny. And We're sexy. so far afield. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I love Michael King. <laughs> Here's me dragging us well, out to another like early odds nostalgia. Yeah. You'll know the moment you see it. You'll know. Yeah. Um. So the pretty much the next thing that happens is is Miranda's escape, uh, which right. is a really fun extended like. Yeah, Michael King. There you go. She's like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Michael King. He yeah. is in like every movie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, so her 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 escape is a pretty extended sequence too. Like we learned that the ghost also has the power to open cell doors. She goes Mission Impossible. Absolutely, it's a fun it's a fun escape. Like she, you know, we laid out the sort of the geometry of the prison earlier, and we know that there's lots of doors and there's a pool. I don't know why that the uh, sanitarium has a a giant swim pool like lap pool. Especially if these people are like at at risk of self harm. Yeah, you know, it's like why add more. Like who's taking who's chlorinating that pool? I have a million questions. That's what I meant to ask earlier is I was like, presumably this pool is only for the employees. Yeah. Right. Like Do they have know. a rec center? Yeah. Do they have like a fitness area? <laughs> I guess so. Mild yeah. weightlifting things? You know. You no, just fit. one pool. Yeah. That is uh, that is interesting. I haven't really thought about the pool that much, but I'm like, yo, why is there a pool? 
Like, because the clo- I mean, they don't even have a, like electricity. Why do they have a pool? No, it's always you know? dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't even pump water accurately. That pool would be like a cesspool. Yeah. If yeah. it was really that bad. It's but if just like, Halle Berry going and maintaining the like the, the chemical levels. and That is a nightmare. <laughs> pH yeah. balancing a pool is like so much goddamn work. It's a lot of upkeep. That's yeah. why people, there's a reason pay people pay for pool like a pool company to do it yeah. it's like you're doing like hard math every single day yeah one thing that the pool does serve though to do is a uh, it serves as a a fun little set piece for uh miranda her swimming for, came in handy yeah it did she can hold her breath for a <laughs> yeah. long time uh this is when uh i was like as we were watching on this account on the couch i dropped like the little nugget of kate winslet recently breaking like the record for a single on on set take uh, holding her breath underwater for the new Avatar movie. She apparently held her breath for like over seven minutes for that, that one take in James Cameron's Avatar They two. had to learn. A whole yeah. bunch of the cast had to be able to hold their breath for over five minutes at least so and, Cameron could get a take. Yeah, it made me wonder how long... Kirstie's uh, eyes, she looks like deeply wounded. That's just like insane. <laughs> I didn't know. I never thought about that. Yeah. I also was, like, no, what? Why? Yeah, like that's too Mildly much. Abusive. I feel like... Uh, I feel like... That's such a like you know James Cameron like thing. That's you know? exactly what it is. It's like like I feel like that's not necessary. <laughs> it's like Tom Cruise forcing all of his cast to go through fucking Navy SEAL training and stuff too. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like on, all the people dude. on Top Gun had to learn yeah. how to fly like every yeah. kind of plane, and he taught them. You're yeah. like, it's like the all fuck? right. Yeah, it makes you wonder how long Halle Berry had to stay underwater for this thing because she does manage in the course of running through very various hallways uh, and uh, escaping down graded fences, and then uh, eventually taking shelter. Yeah, on, in the corner of a unlit flat pool. Have you ever timed yourself? Like, tried to see how long you could hold your breath? All right, yeah. you ready? No, 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 <laughs> no! I could not. All right, one, no, we can't. It's two. on the podcast. <gasps> Sunday scares. <laughs> you, you were there with me I too. I was doing yeah. it. I was still going. Bro, I bet we could have kept going. Yeah. All right. All right. Where did we get? Where, you, where, you, where'd we uh, land? Almost made it to a minute. You were Fuck. like 54 seconds. Dang, God damn to... it, Travis. <laughs> You're supposed to tell me that. Uh, we could have broke a minute. I, I know we yeah, could do it. When I thought I, for sure. When I edited it, I'll yeah. say you guys did it for two minutes. Okay. No, they did it for 54 seconds. Fucking wusses over here. I had at least we five more. We probably could have done longer, but it was just quiet. You know, I believe you guys. Long. I was surprised be- you wanted to do that on a podcast. It's better in the pool. I agree. <laughs> I, this is dumb. You can just like float. You do that thing where you just like dead dead man and you just let your back float up to yeah, the top. I always love the visuals of like the sunbeams yeah. going through like the pool waves and stuff. So I would just like oh, yeah, subsurface scattering. practice holding my breath under. In hindsight, it was a really dangerous thing to do as a teenager, oh, but I was yeah. just like bored at, in the summer. So I'd like swim at, at like the local YMCA and just like practice holding my breath that's for what you do when you're a kid occasions. that's like, like yeah. the ultimate game to play I, in the pool I, I got <laughs> really zen like there was a time when I was like either I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain and this is like kind of exciting or I am just like getting really good at being zen about this yeah right you do i mean that's what it is you have to go into like like a like a separate mind like a you gotta fill state. your lungs not mm-hmm. your mouth like when you when you yeah. inhale you want like breathe a deep, your diaphragm yeah you want a deep inhale because that's where the air is yeah so, I'm, all right well Halle berry could have taught us that she yeah. could have probably uh you also i love the security guard that like covers for her in yeah. this whole right. thing like she makes it almost out the door and the security guards like she hides under the desk and he's like oh you're good and like he's the one cool he, dude like, he's like here take my car, car. Yeah, take my car <laughs> yeah fucking mvp of the movie like the rest of the movie wouldn't happen without that guy 
Um, yeah, that was cute. He was like, they well, you kind of know from the jump they're like tight, you know, when she leaves and he's like, yeah, how he's much like, laps? How many laps <laughs> just went? Yeah, and she's like, say hi to your wife. <laughs> Which he was the only cool homie. Like he was, yeah. She tries to be cool with all the other guys, but like they were all just faking it. Irene. I feel like in real life, though, he wouldn't have like been that cool with her. He wouldn't have been like take my car and. Yeah, I agree. That is a pretty big. Yeah. I think you'd lose your job if they catch you. Oh yeah, like, for sure. That. He'd probably do have more than lost his job for letting a convict escape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, luckily for him, it all works out in the end. So. Uh, the next part of the movie, I think, is like my favorite part because I think the so as we transition locations, right? We Miranda escapes out from uh, the prison and she drives down uh, the same road she did before um, with the uh, sinkhole, and we get the re- the creepiest thing that I have ever like imagined, which is always like somebody popping up randomly in your back seat in your rearview mirror. Yeah, uh, the specter of Rachel appears again in her back seat. Uh, and I guess controls the accelerator in the car and forces her to like n- narrowly come into con- like crash into an oil tank or like a, a gas tanker um, that's crossing perpendicular to her at like a crossroads on the way to the sinkhole. Uh, but she manages to make it back home and we kind of get the extended sequence. Is this where we get the extended sequence with like the backwards rain and stuff? Or was it earlier? I feel like this is where we actually get all of the visuals of the actual murder that took place. Oh, maybe. I think it might be. I think this is where... So she makes it back home, and her, the the things that we're seeing are basically uh, alternating back and forth between what is her literal reality and the visions that she sees of the night that the murder took place, right? Yeah. Uh, she pulls up to the house, and all of the lights in the house magically like burst on. Um, she goes inside and starts having visions of uh, Doug uh, backing away from her, and we see her wielding an axe and, mm-hmm. uh, run, you know, like... Yeah, steadily moving towards him. Uh, they do show like some of the like some of the body gore here too is really awesome. Like his yeah, the leg detail is work is insane. Up. Yeah. Um, in the behind the scenes footage, you get to, you can see some of the cool like model work they did. They had like the dummy that uh, they would you know lot like slam the the axe into to show like chopping his head in half and yeah. stuff. Um, wow. it's some good body gore. It's, it's really fun. Uh, that whole thing, the, the not alone thing from earlier shows back up again. She's, uh, the, where it showed up in the evidence, uh, photos from the crime scene, uh, was her having taken the blood from murdering Doug and painting on their like French doors to their bedroom. It says not alone. Um, she has like a breakdown in the bedroom looking at old photos, but not before seeing like herself immersed in the, the jacuzzi bathtub full of blood. Um, it's really fun. This whole, this mm-hmm. whole part of the movie, I think is, is really fun. This is also where we make the big logical leap to like the farm that was never really introduced before, but it's like, Oh, there's a farm. Yeah. He uh, mentions it very early on. Um, well, he says that's where he's going. Yeah. He's going oh, to be the contractor. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> and the sheriff, uh, mentioned it too. I yeah. think when they have their like interaction in the rain. Yeah. Uh, one of their trips yeah you got to meet with a contractor what kind of contractor do you have to hire to build a secret underground like murder torture dungeon beneath the barn of your like (laughs) rural property maybe it's like a hitman contractor you know like (laughs) 
Like they worked. He goes, yeah, he's like on the side. Same he's like, company. what do you need? Yeah, it's like, I can kill yeah. people, but also I can put up siding on the, you know, for like, your yeah. outdoor. Or like, maybe they have like a group of contractors that are like that. I can for kill people. Like sketchy shit. I can build pergolas. Yeah. Those are my two skills, and I have like, they're they're not interchangeable. I mean, depends on the contract. Money's money, right? So if they're like, oh, we need a sub basement in our barn that can support, like, it's like a pretty expansive space, and I'm going to run some cabling. I need power routed down there. This is the other thing I want to get to, you right? Know, so, like, like contractor's like i'm i mean you make money yeah sure like i could do this yeah because it looks like he has money right he dresses well their house is pretty nice like they're not they they got some cash and let's talk about the set that they create down there too because that's the other thing is like so she she does some investigative work she sees the bar and remembers the name of it or the name of their like the town or whatever the property that they have and drives out there uh and this is also like where, as far as like direction goes, is like the movie. I was like, all right, we're just going and looking at random stuff now. The, the connecting the dots is kind of like ambiguous, but it's also like, all right, there's ghosts and they're randomly pulling you in one direction, so it kind of doesn't matter what the logic is. Yeah. Uh, but her, she, yeah, she gets down into the basement of the barn that adjoins their uh, rural other property, I guess, uh, and finds the secret sex lair, which is very well lit. Um, with a camcorder to view, like <laughs> this the... feels like such a like horrible omission of like you know these guys are st- we find out right yeah uh, so she opens up I'll cue this up she opens up the camcorder and it plays a video of her husband surprise gasp yeah. um like they have a woman tied up I don't remember who exactly is it someone we know or I think it's, it's the a... woman who they find who is still down there okay yeah it yeah seems like it's that there's like a person. woman like tied up on the bed and he uh and she's like in her underwear and he's she's like screaming for help I guess and he kind of like stands in front of the camera and is like yeah it's so great to be God yeah. or something yeah. and like I he literally is like I did this and you're like all right cool yeah. um, but like such a, a horrible omission for like serial killers because we kind of think he didn't just kill the we, we think there's multiple women involved but, like they're gonna film it and film themselves like doing it and then be like should just leave this lying around no one's ever gonna find this well, yeah also maybe they maybe there's if it's real or not maybe the isn't there like a dark black market dark web some something oh where right like he, they're filming like snuff, snuff films, films or something yeah, yeah. Oh, oh so be. he's probably selling them that's the side uh, hustle that's yeah. I, I mean this is a dark rabbit hole yeah it is i mean it's kind of like but this also harkens Damn. back to uh so like you know we talked about barbarian a little while ago too like i mean this is sort of a thing that uh as a trope right it gets introduced by i remember when we discussed barbarian uh on that episode right we talked about uh charles ing and leonard lake right um who were the real life kidnappers and murderers who would do this thing they had like their their red woman fantasy where they would they would kidnap women and then hold them and torture them um for weeks and weeks and weeks at like these and basically this whole thing that happens in this movie where they're um what the idea that they're replicating um yeah very dark it's very very scary uh and uh while down in the uh, sex dungeon basement thing miranda discovers that there's still a person down there too uh the cops show up right in the nick of time and everything kind of works out um they rescue the lady and miranda is now still being held in custody but maybe with in better graces now that the person she murdered turns out to have been I, a serial murderer, I, uh, rapist kudos to the lawyer because once she's inside the prison the first scene is the lawyer being like you guys have bigger problems than my client. Yeah. I think she should get like home suspended, like suspended at home with parole or something. And he's like, "Yeah, no, your client busted out of a prison, like bust, like broke some noses, yeah. and then like revealed the like alien consp- or, uh, um, 
a criminal conspiracy. Like we've got questions. If there were aliens she's in not this going movie, anywhere. That would be amazing. <laughs> I know that was a misstep on my behalf, but uh, like just the, he's like, yeah, she's not leaving jail anytime soon. And his lawyer's like, no, she just helped you out. You need to bust her out of here. This is one of those things where, like, I think as I was watching this, or right afterward, I was like scrolling through Reddit, and it was like randomly some video that popped up of a guy like man, like right after some like parole hearing, he's about to go get like booked and like put into like actual prison or whatever and he managed to just like he back like in the cctv footage you see him like back out the door run back through the courtroom that's empty and then run out the front hallway take his shoes off and then run out the front door of the police station and you're like fuck yeah dude there's something about like in other countries and even in the u.s like way back in the day right like if you escape like it's not a crime anymore because back before I don't know, like, obviously, like, the, the penal code and, like, the other, like, punitive system of justice that we have is incredibly flawed and very harmful to the world and our country in particular. But, like, the idea was that, like, everybody has a natural inclination to escape from custody and for or from, and you know, incarceration. So, like, that being people's natural inclination, it wasn't a crime to, like, attempt to escape. Like, if you escaped and they caught you, you had to go back to prison. But, like, you wouldn't get extra charges for, like... Right. Like, in Germany, I think that's still the case, where it's, like, it's not technically, like, illegal to escape from prison, but you still have to go back to prison for, like, whatever crime you were doing. Wow. Um, but it's, like... And that's I was, like, a yeah. movie. Like, what if someone escaped from prison, lived, like, 27 of the 28 years, yeah. and, like, had a family and stuff, and then got caught, and they're, like, well, you gotta spend a year in jail. You owe us that. Yeah. like... Well, that's true. I probably do. I ought to do that. Yeah. You got to serve your uh, do. Yeah. Give your. uh... I feel like they could give you extra time, though, for like bad behavior. I mean, I don't think you can make 27 years uh, like and not get caught again. uh, Well, that extreme. But that's that's the whole thing is like, yeah, the quote unquote, like bad behavior, like the idea that, you know, because what you're supposed to the idea is you're supposed to dissuade people from escaping and, you know, through like a greater, you know, punitive uh, punishment or whatever. Uh, and so, but yeah, like, I, I just love the idea of like, well, once, once you escape, if you do make it out, then I don't know, that's on us. Like <laughs> you, you made it. So good Damn, for you. You are smart. Yeah. Uh, that was always my, my romantic idea of like getting out of prison. Every time that I've been let out of a jail cell and like, it has been like that experience where you're like walking to the coffee shop and you're like, ah, oh, this is what it's like to be free again. Yeah, like everything mm. tastes way better. It suddenly. does. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about like getting let out, like, especially if you don't have to like pay or like if bail's not due, like, right then, you get like, all right, you can go now. And you're like, get your shoes and your stuff back, and you just walk out, and they're like, oh, fuck. Mm. The real world again. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the finale of this movie, right? Like you talked about earlier, uh, we do get naked uh, John Carroll. Half Lynch here. naked. Half mm. naked. Um, something that we kind of forgot to allude to earlier um, was this very important tattoo on the chest of... Um, who we learn is John Carroll Lynch, but uh, Miranda has seen it earlier in the prison whenever she's making her first escape attempt. Uh, she goes down to uh, solitary confinement where Chloe was being held uh, and tries to go up to her cell and sees this random Sitaloa chest tattoo pop up of a of a suffering, burning woman. Um, and it becomes a thing that Robert Downey Jr. Googles later, uh, and it kind of plays an ancillary role to the plot, but basically it's to... Just communicate that, like, there's visions of women suffering or people suffering. Um, uh, yeah, our, our, RDJ calls it the, the archetype. He's like, this is, like, the archetype of the suffering woman, like, waiting for her turn to be burned at the stake or something. Yeah, something like that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. what. 
I mean, that's pretty weird to have that <laughs> tattooed on you. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess if you're a sadist like he is, like, I mean, that's he your kinda vibe. Has, he kind of has, it's not a, it's not a swastika, but, like, something that's kind of swastika-y on his shoulder. Uh, and swastika I was like, adjacent. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, this has, like, Aryan Brotherhood vibes all over it. It's that whole thing of, like, the unfortunate uh, thing of, of, like, all of Nordic symbology kind of being co-opted by white supremacists Ugh. and stuff. Like, that's a whole, I don't know. Like That's a whole, why, I'd, like... Well, I don't know if tattoo artists would do it, but I've heard people be like, don't get like certain like uh, Icelandic symbols. Don't get like the Swedish like like carvings or whatever. Yeah. Don't get Viking runes on your body. You might be accidentally signaling to white supremacists. Yeah. yeah. The like, weird like Ooh. sheer irony of it that it's like all these like backwater Appalachian dudes who were like, yeah, I'm a fucking Viking. And it's like, uh, not, like not I mean, so you're much. probably the son of a potato farmer, but yeah, yeah we could go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Um. Yeah. The the interrogation scene between them, right? Or like the faux interrogation scene when he's like sort of trying to tease the information out of her after she's been put back in the cell, right? And he's like the only one there with her. Like immediately at the beginning of it, you're like, you're in danger. This yeah. is a, <laughs> this yeah. Is that a scary part was thing. so weird because like it's a psych ward slash prison, so you would think that there would be twenty four hour surveillance everywhere so how is it that the two of them are in there for that long he fires like four or five times and no one is around (laughs) no one's the wiser well no at this point though they're in the police station right so they didn't actually so i don't think they took her back to the psych ward Uh, they just took her to the local police station where he's like in charge so like that's the thing is like everybody else leaves in the middle of the night and it's literally just him and her. Because they're trying to go like find a, trying to use the, they need to salt, like deal with this crime scene before the FBI so takes over. So they just over. found the nearest place to put her in custody essentially, oh, which was the police makes station. More sense. Yeah. But to be Still, fair to you, I, you would think your point. there'd be at least one other cop there. Yeah, yeah, right. There is like a trivia point that says like the, the cast and crew tried really hard to find a way. Like, oh, what if we did the finale but at the, the, the hospital? And they were like, it makes no sense. Like, why would yeah. she go back? She escaped. Like, she yeah. would never go back. And so they decided to do it at the police precinct instead. Yeah. Okay. So they would have done it that way, but it, they just it didn't make any sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's fine, I guess. Yeah. Like that, that that whole thing of their conversation, right, where it takes like way too long for her to figure out that I he's... love it. He's like, uh, you know, she she calls him in because she's like, I figured it out. The clue the ghost was giving me, um, you know, he, my husband, the killer, is not alone. There's another killer. Um, and he's like, oh, my God, who would this other killer be? Like, well, you're a doctor. Give me the psych profile. On <laughs> yeah. Him. And so she kind of gets to, like, soliloquize, soliloquize. I wanna, yeah, figure it out. I don't know. What is this word going to be? Make a soliloquy <laughs> about, like, the mind of a serial killer and kind of gives us that, like, classic psychological breakdown of, like, the the psycho the movie kind of like reference essentially where she's like oh he would have um she spells out the mcdonald triad to him like yeah um, like hurting animals right yeah like, uh but yeah he and then he gets in, enraged at the at being accused of hurting animals as a kid he's like but i don't hurt animals yeah that's the like the reveal is like <laughs> but i didn't enjoy it <laughs> and you're like what and then surprise the well, sheriffs. I think at that point, though, he was already, like, mad because he realized she knew that it was him. Yeah, he's kind of, like, know? spitballing. He's like, I mean, the killer would come back. Like, he, the killer's trying to cover their tracks. They're going to come back for you. 
she's like, yeah, but I only know like that there's another killer. I don't know who it is. And he's like, yeah, but what if, you know, like what if the, the both... killer doesn't know that? Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, you're probably right. And he's like, how would I find this killer? And then she describes it and you're like, oh, I see. <laughs> it's, it's this guy. <laughs> Do you think they both like realize at the same time, like he realizes that she knows and she realizes that it's him at like the same time? Or do you, cause like she wouldn't have been alone with him if she knew it right. was him. I don't time. think that she caught on, but I, I am still interested in this idea of like what things look like from his perspective. And I think him spelling it out in this conversation is what is interesting about that is the idea of like, like we said, what he understands is, you know, if, if you remove all the supernatural stuff from it, um, all of her visions and everything, it's like he sees she's unraveled this mystery. And now, like, he knows that he's going to be implicated in these kidnappings and murders, right? Um, and that's kind of what he spells out for her. So it, it seems like I think that he knew as early back as, like, when they were still at this, you know, the psych ward and he was showing her the crime scene photos. And he's like, this, this fucking girl knows what happened and she's gonna fucking tell on me um but i think it's weird that it took him or i guess maybe not maybe it's like he He just needed to get her alone yeah exactly like he was waiting for the moment to get her alone and like have a plausible reason that you know to get rid of her in a way um but i don't know i don't know if you can just shoot somebody in your prison cell like i don't know the whole (laughs) i love they have like a tussle and she yeah. escapes. So the finale is them like cat and mouse in the in the police precinct, just the two of them. Yeah. But I love that he and he's fired his gun at her multiple times and and he like goes to the gun locker to get a shotgun. Yeah. yeah. As he's unlocking and he's like, Technically you ran away from me. That means I can do whatever I want. And I was like, Hey, look at that. Finally, yeah. some reality. Yeah, right. You're like, I guess that maybe is how it would go. Like a small town cop. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm you know a small town police are like he even says it he's like you ran away from me i'm allowed to do whatever i want and you're like mm. that's the yeah that's, uh, that's the greatest thing about our country people get to use lethal force for any old reason uh but she has stabbed him with that uh syringe of sedative that i guess he also had access to um so that's what makes him all wooey woo for that whole why he sequence. can't oh, hit a shot i didn't yeah. notice that i was like why is he being so annoying like i know that? i forgot <laughs> i forgot and i was like damn this point. guy sucks at firing like, a pistol in a five foot range yeah, yeah that actually is a really important detail it also rationalizes maybe like why he suddenly sees, sees a too. vision of rachel as well yeah uh, and it also gives us the opportunity to throw in some bullet time in this fucking uh sequence. yeah yeah I mean, this is produced by joel silver the guy who did the matrix so you know there's gonna be some awesome slow motion like bullets stuff and sound yeah. waves which is kind of fun i think it, it works honestly it's fine in this movie like he it, shoots a gas pipe and it literally says flammable on the side yeah. so it's like spewing i guess flammable gas into the air yeah as he's like grabs a shotgun and tries to kill her and like they she gets she evades escape and while he's drugged he like has a vision of uh um of what's her face rachel rachel thank you and is like clearly drugged out like you're already dead and fires the shotgun which you're like please don't let this be like a bullet thing fires a shotgun into a computer that sparks and catches and fire goes in the opposite direction of the bullet back on him. So he kind of gets like burst into flames. He gets exploded. Yeah. But not like so exploded we can't quite see his face. Like yeah. it's more of like a lower, like a mid body exploded. It's a low impact exploded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then right afterwards, she pops him in the head with a he, revolver. He like gets up ready to go and she, she shoots him in the cabeza with like a single bullet. Which is, I still think would be hard to explain afterward. I think you're going to have to do a lot of legwork to uh, rationalize this whole. 
I don't know. I know. If the theme of the movie is like, look how easy it is to gaslight this female doctor. I'm yeah. like, I mean, she is very far from safe as far as like the ending could go. I mean, before she delivers the killing blow, she utters the tagline of the movie, logic is overrated. Oh, man. So, I mean... That was like a whole like side thing that they kind of tried to tie in back oh, at the yeah. end was like of her being because in her conversations with Robert Downey Jr. The, of like their interrogation process, um, the thing that they're fighting against is like her brain working logically and like reasonably and stuff and like trying to rationalize the things that are happening to her. And so the the argument the movie is making on her behalf is that this is not logical. So get rid of your logical mind and just like, you know, yeah. follow your heart, I guess. Uh, Go with your gut. Yeah. What um, does Gothica mean? That's a say great that. question. Uh, so yeah. the made term, up word. yeah, the term is kind of like, I mean, it is a made up word. Uh, All words are made up. <laughs> okay. Uh, initially people kind of like thought that it was gonna, it was referring to like a, like a Gothic film, right. Especially when we were remaking the William Castle movies of the fifties and sixties that take place in very Gothic settings, like house on haunted Hill, where you have these giant ornate mansions, um, and you think of like Gothic literature and, and movies like, you know, Gothic film aesthetic, um, the term kind of retroactively, I think through like pop, pop culture adaptation from this movie in particular, um, gets like updated to mean, uh, a situation in which someone sees or feels things that no one else does. And uh, those who, okay, this definition, the way this definition is worded is very frustrating to me, but I'm going to read it exactly the way it says it. A situation in which someone sees or feels things that no one else does. And those who don't think those who can are crazy when they are not. That was so poor. What? what? So, mm-hmm. which I think is intended to mean a situation. So, when someone is seeing or feeling things that no one else around them can perceive, right. um, they appear crazy to those around them. Yeah. They, they basically throw a double negative in there, which makes which this definition kinda... incredibly frustrating. Uh, <laughs> Dumb. Yeah, but that's it's it's kind of like just like a like a term for yeah for a, a localized hysteria or like you know seeing things that you don't think are there and then being like gaslighted for it and think into thinking that you're crazy or something, um, which occurs in a lot of the stuff that we're talking about in this particular watch list of episodes. I and think, psychological is horror is partially the story of gaslighting. It's kind of all it is, right? Like going back to like Shutter Island or even like in Mulholland Drive, <laughs> really right? Really like, elaborate gaslighting. Yeah. Gaslighting, the elaborate movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, the epilogue of this movie is uh, Chloe, and, Chloe and Miranda are both free. Uh, like we said, Robert Downey Jr. and Halle Berry don't end up together, but maybe Chloe and Miranda. We don't even do. know what happens with Robert Downey Jr. I he, mean, presumably he now becomes the like boss or the, the head of the. Yeah. All right. Yeah, something happens over there. Um, do you like how this kind of gets set up for a sequel? Like, where right at the very, very end, she's like the ghost whisperer now, Sixth Sense style, where she puts Chloe in a taxi and and she drives off, and they have, like, kind of their cool, like, final moment. And then, like, there's a little boy in the middle of the street, and a random, like, garbage truck drives by, like, looking like it's going to run him over. And then it just pans out to that missing poster of that same little boy, and you're like, all right, Gothica 2. Yeah, (laughs) they do do that. I'm surprised they never did. Probably because it, like, wasn't perceived that well the first time. Which is weird, because it made a lot of money so crazy right yeah, yeah i could definitely see a gothica too yeah let's talk about the reception of this movie so uh like i said at the, at the time um reviews go either way like it, it obviously gets kind of panned for being a silly movie like i mean this is a silly movie and that's kind of what's great about it um but then like i it has this weird life uh, kind of we talked about like we talked about at the top where even though it's it's a goofy movie that has you know a lot of weird things that go on in it 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 
is sort of perfectly emblematic of that thing of a, a, a horror movie from the early 2000s that doesn't take itself too, too seriously that is pretty well made like other than you know the weird like plot loopholes or plot holes um it's, it's just fun to watch and it's thrilling and it's paced well um and it's pretty visually stunning it's got some cool stuff in there and it's i think it's a great movie uh and there's a lot of reviews of it like i said at the top that uh kind of agree with that um what i think is interesting is the uh so it's talking about like the box office reception of this uh we talked about how this is like one of the only or the most successful dark castle entertainment production um from the the decade that uh, in which that studio was ma- was primarily active um the weekend that this comes out it makes a good amount of money uh even competing with some other movies that were out at the time that were doing pretty well uh so at the box office on its opening weekend in first place that beat out gothica i love um, this i'm looking at it right are now. are you looking at it yeah. so in first place was the cat in the hat uh, <laughs> <laughs> i saw that <laughs> yeah it opened on the same weekend equally terrifying exactly um that made about 47 uh, 47 million uh in its opening week uh gothica comes in at second place having made about um 25 million in its opening week uh right behind gothica gothica ironically like you mentioned earlier is elf uh which was in its uh, third week, still managing to rake in about $20 million that weekend. Um, And in 2003, this is the same weekend, uh, the same time that Master and Commander, uh, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. Far Side of the World. That's Uh, a great movie. Yeah, fourth place. It makes makes about $11 million that weekend. Uh, In fifth place, uh, Tis the Season, Love Actually is out, uh, coming in at fifth place in its third week, making about six million dollars, uh, and an honorable mention right around, uh, right after that in sixth place is The Matrix Resurrections, uh, which in its fifth week is still makes about five million dollars that weekend because it was it was killing it wow. uh, around that era. Um, yeah, a really fun time for movies and a really fun movie that I think is is a perfect example of like these awesome fucking new metal movies around that time. We talked about the Behind the Blue Eyes outro earlier, <laughs> so we don't need to rehash that again. But this movie does go out to. Limp Bizkit's cover of the this Who's one's for the you, Eyes. Fred Durst. God damn it! Ugh. Like I said, I watched that music video and I was like, Fred Durst gets to make out with Halle Berry. It's I don't know. There's no justice in this world. That's that's ridiculous. Wait, who's Fred Durst? He's the uh, the lead singer of uh, Limp Bizkit. Oh. I learned that one today. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I knew the name. I was never a big Limp Bizkit person. You weren't. Uh, <laughs> I was not. Well, I will everyone, say I was not. I've never been a Limp Bizkit fan. Not that I would never say never, but I don't. I don't. I, everyone makes fun of them, but there's definitely people who like. They were cool. Like, oh yeah, you know, they had their point. time. Yeah, and this was that time. This was it. <laughs> this Gothica. was that era. <laughs> you think Limp Bizkit's like, man, we did so much business when we made that song. We did that cover for Gothica. I mean, this is definitely probably like one yeah. of the peaks of that. Honestly, though, it was the only song I like knew from them for a while. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was a cover either because I'm young and I didn't know the original. My dad told me. And Behind Blue Eyes, man. It's but a who? hot music video, honestly. Like it. He's yeah. about to pull it up. Okay. Oh uh, no! I'll just I'll just drop the music clip. In yeah, there. throw it in the group chat yeah. later. No, it'll be fine. I took a I took a clip. I took a video earlier as I was like typing up notes, and I had the music video playing in the background. And it's just like you see my laptop, so it just says Gothica, and then it's Fred Durst's beautiful face <laughs> wow. staring directly at the camera. That's a, I'm confused who you're attracted to, Haley Ber- Halle Berry or Fred Durst. It's all it's all just one big. Okay, just yeah, checking. That's one big thing. Just checking. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's uh, that's Gothica. We watched that this week. Uh, did you watch anything else? I know we've been recording a lot lately, so we're running dry <laughs> on recommendations for movies uh, and stuff. You got anything? 
I got one if you want to think about it for a second. Yeah, I need to think. I'm yeah. like, my brain is a little broken. I've been going through like the stuff that's been put up on HBO streaming like recently. Uh, and one that I forgot to mention that I did watch uh, a week or two ago was the um, See How They Run. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie, yeah. So it's got Saoirse Ronan, uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, Rockwell, uh, Adrian Brody. Um, it's like a, basically it's like a, uh, an attempt to make a Wes Anderson movie. It's got all the ingredients in there, but it's just kind of, it weirdly does a very good job of making Sam, Ra- Sam Rockwell boring, which is crazy. Cause he's like one of my favorite actors in any movie that he's in. Um, and he's really, really like muted and kind of just like along for the ride in this movie. And it's kind of a bummer. Um, it's an okay movie, but yeah, it's, it's nothing crazy. I think I could definitely see what they were trying to do with it, but it's nothing that like sticks out to me. Um, do you watch anything recently that you were a, a fan of or did you didn't like? Um, the other night I watched uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. Mm. Oh, what a classic. For the first Fuck time. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Quentin yeah. uh, Tarantino's like full <laughs> protege fetish. Oh, he's so, weirdo. He's so <sighs> creepy and gross in that movie. But George Clooney is so so sexy in that movie that was that was a good era for him i didn't know he was i've always known him to be a little older i never i always thought he was like a handsome you know older man but that was one of the first things i've seen of him where he's like young and i was Mm -hmm. like oh my god and salma hayek whoa god damn it everybody loves salma hayek yeah (laughs) she's cool too uh, hot takes on salma hayek over here no that's totally fair she's hot but i'm just kind of like but she's no penelope cruz i'm like sick of her kind of because she's just always like the hot like (laughs) as soon as she gets on screen everyone's like salma hayek (laughs) Uh, you know she's like the hot she's even hot in sausage party she's like the hot the hot taco. Yeah, she's the hot. <laughs> the hot. Isn't she a bun? Yeah. Or is she? Yeah. A, no, that no, was Kristen Wiig. Oh, right, right. So right, right, it's right. like mm. the other deep irony of Sausage Party is like all the actors play like all the foods from their home country. Yeah, there's a little bit. Yeah, of like yeah. That. that movie was thinly veiled. They're making like, another. Yeah, they are. Making I think it's like a TV show or something. <laughs> like that yeah. movie was so Seth anticlimactic. Rogen. I I think it was a uh, very climactic. If you saw the last really? twenty minutes of that movie, well, yeah, there was that. But <laughs> <laughs> obviously, like liter on a literal sense, but like. <laughs> I wanted it to be so so good, and I felt like it was kind of a flop. Oh for yeah, me. it was very yeah. wasted up opportunity. It was just very dark. You were yeah. like, "This got yeah. real fucked up." Like fast. the the rape scene. God damn it! Yeah, I wanted to see food doing that to each other. Yeah, it was it was weird. I I loved the idea of a adult animation, like an adult Pixar movie. Basically, I was like, love that. And I don't know, I was kind of. De- disappointed but but yeah dusk till dawn i mean it was good but wow i didn't like somebody at work recommended that i watch it and they told me that that you know not to read the description not to look at the trailer not to do anything just go in blind so i went in blind and i'm glad i did because that made the vampire thing freaking crazy fuck yeah (laughs) i was like are we imagining this right now (laughs) because that's not where i saw this going at all and I love that Danny Trejo, that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks, his face looks how I, I feel like he looks all the time, but his body is so young. Yeah, he yeah. just like, he just aged yeah. into his dad bod. Like, I mean, he and he is a Robert Rodriguez sort of alumni, like he's in everything, you know, yeah. all the Spy yeah. Kids shit and stuff too. Like he, I don't know, he deserves, he deserves that clout. That's awesome. But that was good. Um, It was a good movie. It was like, it was fun. I think it, the vampire, like, 
the slaying of the vampires went on way too long. <laughs> I like the reveal. Uh, I like the big like pullback at the end where you're like, oh, this bar is built on top of like a whole temple. Yeah, and that you're like, was oh, cool. Oh, fuck. And you see all the like yeah. discarded trucks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you that haven't seen From cool. Dust Till Dawn, the movie's been around for a couple of decades. That's your fault. So. It's still, <laughs> they made like three movies and yeah. they have a TV show. Like Robert Rodriguez has a full TV show about it too. Um, so the lore runs deep, but I've only seen the first one. Yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty happy. I with think that. I got my my dose with the first. I liked yeah. it. I don't know if I need to. See, see yeah, it yeah, again, yeah. I'm with you. It was cool. You got anything, Daniel? I mean, I haven't watched anything particularly new, but I am gonna recommend yeah. movies because it's like I feel like it's my moral ob- like yeah, obligation. Sure. Um, there's a great movie called Pig. Um, if you've ever wanted to take Nicolas Cage seriously, because nobody does these days. Uh, Pig is a fantastic movie about grief. Uh, it's about this like Michelin star chef who like lives in the woods with his truffle pig, and That's he doesn't adorable. even like care about making money. He just needs money to like live in the woods. And uh, truffle hunters, which is this is all just food stuff, like, like steal his mission. pig, and so he goes on a mission with this like kind of douchey like tech kid who's trying to prove something to his dad. Um, uh, to like go find this pig because he he's been selling truffles to this kid, and so it's so wild. Like Nicolas Cage is go, he kind of gets like zoned in, and he's like, I'm gonna like find. He my goes in pig. a rampage mode, pretty much. Yeah, but it's like sad rampage because yeah. he goes through. They go through like an underground boxing ring for like uh service workers, um, and which well, is he like navigates the Seattle culinary scene, um, but it is all about how uh like his character is processing like the death of his wife and how he like escaped into the woods to like prevent himself from doing so. And it is like weirdly the most like intimate and like threatening movie. There's like lots of moments where you're like, Oh my God, someone's going to die or something. It's a good role for Nicholas cage too. It, it, it like portrays a side of him that he doesn't get to utilize very often. I feel like Michael which is- Sarnowski. I'm like super, super stoked. It was a script. You, it's just something you like, you hear the pitch and you're like, eh, it doesn't sound that great. And I'm like, no, I cried. Like mm-hmm. I recommend, yeah, I do recommend, movie. I recommend pig. Um, and then, uh, like I recommend decision to leave a more recent one. I was seeing like a lot of Oscar projections and, um, they were saying like, this will probably be the Oscar for, or the like submission for South Korea, mm-hmm. um, new Park Chan-wook film that's I think running around in theaters. And then I've got to get my ass to the theater to see the whale. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm going like, to go tomorrow. You want to go tomorrow? Uh, what time are you going? Uh, I'll probably do an early one. Like yeah. between two and three. Yeah, yeah. You can use my pass. So it'll, it'll be free. Okay, I, I'm scared though. I may, I may sob. No, I'll cry. Okay, cool. I'll cry with you. I'll hold your hand. Yes, awesome. This is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, you got any other recommendations, Christy? Got any shows coming up or anything? No, I don't really. I know it's have the holiday anything. season, so it's yeah. kind of a weird time of year. Well, I'm going to Houston, and then I got to work New Year's Eve. Uh, I haven't really been booked. Um, since I got back from New York, it's just been like, uh, all right. I'm, and now I'm like, uh, people were asking me to do shows while I was there. And I was like, I'm not in town. And now I'm back. And I'm like, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> You're like waiting. Hey guys. Yeah, now I got to like insert myself again. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I don't got really have anything going again. up. Cool. Um, well, I know it's yeah. New Year, so yeah, there'll be stuff coming up soon, and so as soon as we get into January, and we'll have you it's back. It's like always this time of year, so. things dial down a little yeah. bit. At least for my work, like freelancing, it's like some everything takes a dive right. Well, it's around also Christmas. like hard to take off for weekends right now because I have to re, you know, yeah. Uh, I, w- I took off for a month for New York, so yeah, now yeah. I gotta, I gotta like work and yeah, gotta buy people presents and, <laughs> and all that. I'm like, we're moving. I'm just re-gifting shit. I'm like, you know yeah. what? <laughs> 
This is a great book. Like, I recommend you read it. I'm trying like, to get rid of my shit. Why are anyway, the pages so folded? Yeah. I'm like, don't worry about why it. Why are they Not stuck together? What's going on here? Yeah, like I'm like, I gave my friend one of my records today. I was like, oh. I never listen to this. You love this thing. It belongs in your home. And he was like, I'm so honored. And I was like. I mean, yes, I had thought of you when I was giving this, but also we're not really, we don't want to take it with us. Yeah. If I can be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we watched Gothica this week uh, for getting towards the end of our series on psychological <laughs> horror, and we are now approaching the climax of our series. I know this series. one. I know this one. What we are we watching? We're watching week? Hereditary. Fuck yeah, we are. Oh, finally, I got it right. This time, is the first time ever. Time to hit it, man. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to ease us back into actual horror movies because I feel like we've been doing somewhat non genre movies, and so. That's what I put in the group text is the uh, whiplash that my on the love scariness level might be kind of crazy for this one. But Hereditary is a great psychological thriller horror movie. And uh, I'm so not it's ready at the top to watch of it again. A lot of people's lists as far as psychological horror goes. So I've only seen it once and it's still in my head. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, prepare yeah. yourself. Damn. Yeah. We'll do it. I feel like it got weird <laughs> at the end. It got it, a little weird. That's one but way that's, to put it. What's the director's name? Ari Aster. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what he does mm-hmm. with his movies. They, uh, they're really normal at first. And then they just get crazy oh, weird. Oh, yeah. And we will be talking <laughs> yeah. a lot about it. I mean, I thought the first five minutes of Midsommar were fucking bonkers. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I was it, like, oh, fuck me. Was, this is awful. It was sad and awful, but it wasn't like... It's not like supernatural. It wasn't like, you know, weird. Like brain melting the it, way a lot of It was of like yeah. kind of like a yeah. darker version of what happened in Disturbia. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the family dies or sh- like a loss yeah. happens and then what's going to happen next? Yeah, That's yeah, my main yeah. complaint about that movie still is I wish... I always wanted it to go back to the town and have like full circle like kind of like circle back to that that moment and that she know. belongs to that cult now it's true yeah i guess that's the way it works uh hey uh this podcast is on instagram it's uh at scary sunday scaries we also have a patreon uh where you can go and support the podcast for as little as a dollar currently and get early access to episodes and uh community posts i got the small chair this me. week so yeah daniel got the small chair this week so he's feeling mm-hmm. the need for patreon Please subscribers subscribe i yeah. want a new chair absolutely uh i'm at trav the guy on instagram if you want to follow me uh, I'm at DG underscore Pappas. Yeah. And do you have an Instagram you want to plug real quick? Yeah. At Kirsty Comedy. K-I-R-S-T-I-E Comedy. Hell yeah. Go check Kirsty out. She's a hilarious comedian. Uh, she does shows around here in DFW as well as Houston and has been traveling out of state to go and apparently stuff New, in York. New York. And what up? So check her out. She's going to have a lot of stuff coming up soon. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy this. Come back next week and listen to us talk about Hereditary and feel very, very sad and uncomfortable and I don't know lots of feelings yeah sick okay bye (laughs) Sunday Scaries